0: Hello and welcome to the ETOF21 Sports Podcast for July 29th. How is everyone doing? My name is Eric. I am the man behind ETOF21 Sports. You can find my work on Twitter at ETOF21, on Instagram at ETOF21Sports underscore, TikTok at ETOF21Sports, YouTube YouTube and Twitch every Tuesday night at 10 p.m. The ETOF21 Sports Show Live Interactive Sports Betting Show will help you. Make some money. How is everyone doing today? Can we believe August is almost here? Next week at this time, we'll have an NFL game on. As crazy as it sounds, how is everyone doing today? We have an absolutely loaded show. We have a new segment, MLB Bets with my boy David. Him and I tell you some bets to lock in for Friday night. My boy Sterling comes on. Talk a little AFC. Give you an AFC Betting pre an AFC betting preview for the whole conference. Scotty comes on, fantasy football wish list. We talk about the running back position, give our rankings, players we should lock in, players we should avoid. Jim comes on, talks a little CFL, and then Brandon comes on and gives out some NASCAR bets. So let's jump right into it. We are going to start off the podcast with a new segment called MLB bets, where my boy David, aka. Better DP 21 on Instagram and Twitter comes on and him and I tell you the bets to lock in for Friday, July 29th. This week, we have a new segment on the podcast and he was with us during the NFL season. He kicked ass. He's kicking ass in MLB. He's back the one and only better DP. DP21 on Twitter and Instagram. I almost almost forgot you switched your handle on me. How you doing today, man?
1: Good, Eric. How you been, man?
0: Doing good, man. Doing good, doing good. Um, so you're out in Colorado. Have to ask you first thing because we do have a lot of we do have a lot of NFL in this episode. How do you feel about the Broncos?
1: I I like it. I mean, honestly, you know, it's it's going to be a hell of a shakeup, in my opinion. Um, just having Russ on the team and, and leading up to see, you know, the rapport that he builds with Judy and, um, you know, the other receiving court, everything like that. And I know we already have a prime back that's ready to take over there from Gordon. So, you know, it's, it's looking really good. Um, in my opinion, they've always had defense and it's just a matter of, you know, having that offense match them a little bit. And if, uh, if the O-line is not up to it, Russ can get out of the pocket. So you know, from my my view, it's going to be a very competitive team. I'm not
0: going to lie; I bet the under ten wins. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm not going to lie, let it out right
0: now. I bet the under ten wins. I just, I'm just letting you know. I bet the under ten wins. Um, <laughs> so now we need to. We're here to talk some MLB. You've been killing an MLB. You have a money model as normal. Um, you got three plays that you're going to be giving out for. Friday night why don't you tell what your first play is and the thought process for it Yeah
1: absolutely you know so first thing I like to do and just give everybody a little insight of you know how I go about this I use my model as a guide right like I definitely can find the value a little bit quicker by you know running my stats together I don't just go just straight off of it just because it says uh, you know it's a play but even though um, I look at a lot of situational factors that go with that so That being said um, for Friday at this point with the current stats that I have that are, you know, as of today, um, you know, I am looking at three different plays for tomorrow. And, and, you know, my first play that I want to go over is actually for the uh, Chicago Cubs and San Francisco giants. That's the last game on slate for the day for Friday night, but uh, it's the first one that I recognize with the most value on the, on the card. So, you know, Uh, right now the Chicago Cubs are on like a five, six game win streak for themselves right now, putting up runs, putting up solid pitching. Meanwhile, you guys, San Francisco going the complete opposite direction, struggling to put up runs, um, having a lot scored against them pitchers in bad form. Uh, you can almost say the same for this game right now. The, uh, two pitchers we've got for tomorrow, Marcus Stroman and Alex Cobb. And while Cobb is not in terrible form for himself or anything, um, you know, you definitely have Marcus Stroman in better form. I mean, he's actually sporting a whip of under um, one. He's actually at 0.9. And he's got an ERA. Then that's barely above one for himself right now uh, going into this matchup. So something that I'd actually be interested for a prop bet in this game, and this is just kind of on the fly looking at this right now, is the no run first inning for this kind of uh, prop for, for this game to get started. But what I really like most about when i'm analyzing this game right now is the fact that pitcher's in good form for the cubs the team's hitting and winning they're in great form even going in on the road and you know the numbers make sense uh just overall from from the lean uh the cubs are looking at dog money too i mean you can't do any better when you don't have juice on the team that you're trying to bet on so all those factors situationally just line up for me uh, I like the Cubs first five on the money line. Um, I was looking at the William Hill book and I saw that for plus plus one forty five result after five innings. So that is uh, where I'm leaning for the first play of the day. So and... you meant no run first inning. Like mm-hmm. do you do a lot of those bets? I, I've never done one. I don't do a lot of them, but there are certain pitcher matchups. If people can pick them out their correct way. Um, and especially if the pitchers are both in really good form, which these two are, then it's something that I definitely give consideration to. Um, but if I do that, that's like a half unit. That's just for fun. That's not in you know, intended to Trump, you know, my overall wager for the game and anything like that. But I absolutely would go one unit on Cubs first five money line. Now, what is your buy point or like, why won't play after X or whatever. You know what I mean? Like where yeah. where you bet it? So for the game, I mean they're they're looking at <clears throat> excuse me, like a plus one twenty money line right now. And the reason that I suggest the first five is that because when I go and look at the bullpens, you know, for each of these teams, I can see that the Cubs bullpen in a recent form is actually sporting a higher ERA closer to four. They've actually even been higher than that, up near as five and a whip of like one point four on average for themselves over the last few games, and even that's coming out of the break. So, you know, that being said, I don't want to, you know, worry about risking my money on you know betting with the bullpen at that point. So, you know, that's how I start to just kind of decide for myself. Oh, I'm I'm taking that uh, that situational factor out for myself, and I think you have the best you know chance in terms of value uh, up front now you ask that point, that decision point for myself too, what I also factor in for myself is my ROI margin. Um, looking at, you know, where this team would sit with a 145 odds in the first five is actually returning a 22 and a half percent margin on that line. So, and in any and the point at which that I make a decision to play a team that has that kind of margin is greater than 15%. And, so sitting at twenty-two percent on that margin line right now, ahead of the game, as a dog with all those situational factors, to me that is just a no-brainer for me to you know say that that is value. The team's in great form. There's no reason to to shade away from the Cubs in this game. Okay. What what is your um what's your second play of the day? Yeah. So the second play we got. Uh, I'm looking at. Oakland, actually, Uh, Oakland, we got them playing against, excuse me, just trying to pull up all the things where we got them playing against the White Sox. The White Sox were just in Colorado, actually playing a two game set, had the day off yesterday. Uh, Meanwhile, Oakland, you know, coming off a nice little win streak there, uh, sweeping Houston at home and, um, you know, looking really dominant, actually, for this matchup because they again found a way to be putting up runs they've put up fifteen, team they put up almost 25 runs in the last like four games combined uh against pitching and again i i'm looking for the value in you know the matchup here so where i actually focus the most is again first five money line on this team Uh, you're looking at two two pitchers going in opposite directions lance lynn is sporting an eight ERA and a WHIP of one point five over his last Ooh. three games, and like I look at recent form and I take that average seriously, um, you know. And the fact that you know, again, it's not like uh, the White Sox are putting up many runs there, you know, um, over the last few games. So, uh, in comparison, you know, and then Cap Capriano, I can't say his name correctly. Um, I can't pronounce names, were a damn <laughs> Caprillion or something. Anyway, his last three games, he's sporting a 2.2 2 ERA and a whip closer to one. So it's like, you know, between that, just from the starting pitching advantage over those um, first five innings, I'd rather take it out of the hands of my bullpen yeah. uh, again and just focus on, you know, pitcher versus starting pitcher uh, and the head-to-head matchup of that, along with just seeing the rhythm of what these teams are, are doing right now from an advantage standpoint. Granted, Oakland's bullpen is actually in really good form. They're actually sporting like a two-five ERA. So if anybody wanted to take them for the game, I would not blame you for that whatsoever. Um, The White Sox uh, bullpen, though, the last three is sporting an ERA closer to seven. So you line up that uh, starting pitcher that already has like an ERA that's you know representing an average of eight with their bullpen of an average of seven. You're looking at a you know pretty good runs for. Brooklyn here throughout the game, and to be competitive with a starting pitcher that should keep the White Sox White Sox bats pretty down. Um, and if they keep continuing to have people like Luis Garcia and uh, stuff out of their lineup for the Sox, I just don't see them uh, keeping up with you know a hot team that really just surprised everybody at the beginning of this week and taking out Houston, sweeping them. So you know I'm, I'm going to ride uh, ride the wave of you know where they're at on the win streak and and just, you know, keep continuing where that's at. Um, I'm seeing again on the William Hill Sportsbook, a Oakland first five money line of plus 190. You know, I can't see it right now, but um, usually the run line in the first five at the plus half is usually going to dictate probably also plus odds of plus 105 to plus 110 if that run, if that money line is also that high. So it'd be another situational factor to consider. If you want to like bet the tie of after first five innings, if for some reason they're tied, you get that advantage with plus odds on the run line at plus a half, I'm sure, or you just go for the the win in general. And if they do tie, you take the push. So you have a lot of great advantage of the first five um, in that matchup. Okay. I like it. I like it. I like it. And your last play of the day is... Cleveland, um, I'm I'm liking Cleveland right now with this matchup, and uh, what we're looking at is actually Shane Bieber against Jeffrey Springs. Um, it's looking like um, what uh, where are call it? Where we at here on this one? Um, Cleveland's in really good form, you know. Meanwhile, Tampa Bay they're they're coming off losing three out of four on the road against Baltimore here. Um, you know, again, I try to look at recent form and what, you know, what these teams are saying to me in terms of where their pitching's at. And I take all situational factors into consideration. Um, uh, effectively, you know, again, this is where I'm seeing Cleveland has, you know, found a way to find their bats come alive and support their pitching staff. Uh, in the, mean, in the meantime, you know, Tampa Bay is completely opposite. I mean, You start going down the line of the Tampa Bay's games. You go zero six three one two. It's like they are struggling to put up run support for their pitching staff right now. And I really just think that Cleveland bats can come out and really make you know headway for themselves here. But when I actually look at you know these bullpens as well, the uh, the Cleveland bullpen is like sitting with a pretty good average, um, right about. Uh, with a whip of 1.2, which you know, they're not putting many people on base with that. Um, ERA is actually you know closer to four, so it's pretty pretty on par between these bullpens. Actually, uh, Tampa Bay is kind of similar, they're but they're sporting uh, ERA of closer to 4.5, a whip closer to 1.5. So you know, they're in a little bit worse form, um, you know, coming into this matchup and just in general, coming off of the road. Um, you know, again, I think. Guardians had a day off possibly yesterday, if I'm remembering correctly. And they played, the, they played the Sox yesterday. Yeah. No, Sox played at Colorado. The Red Sox. Oh, right, right, right. So, um, right. So, but they won. So, like I'm saying, like, they, they pretty much are just in that winning form right now. And. You know everything I like about the game. I don't. I don't need to fret about the bullpen in this one. I just think over the long haul of the game, uh, we're looking at a really good uh, advantage for uh, Cleveland, and they're getting. They're actually kind of getting what they consider dog money on the book at minus one hundred five. To me, that just tells me that the book is like, man, this game is way too close to call, and they they can't figure out which way. I I would expect this line to go more even. Um, as we get into Friday, deeper in the day, and maybe even like become flip flop on the heavier favorite to go to Cleveland at that point, too. Okay, so a little missed, uh, misvalued team there, right? Exactly. Um,
0: I have one play and I rarely bet baseball, but I did a little research. I just bet the Red Sox and Brewers, it's sitting at nine right now. I'm probably gonna wait until friday morning before i'd lock it in both these teams hit righties well brewers third most uh homers versus righties third most rbis red sox ninth most ribbies versus righties, sixth best batting average last restarts for Bello: uh nine hits five runs seven hits five runs six hits four runs gone over two of the three times you look at woodrow he started six games both home and a road Home, he's only given up eight runs, but on the road, he's given up 25. So he does struggle a little bit more on the road. So I'm going to take the Red Sox and Brewers. I'll call it over nine for the sake of the show.
1: Yeah, I mean, and I definitely think you're going to get a lot of that uh, run support coming from Milwaukee with the way that Bellow is right now in form. I mean, that guy as well. He's He's in terrible form. He is not good. He's bad. I mean, I was actually pretty hyped for him. I'm not going to lie. Like, I picked him up for my fantasy baseball team when they were – he had some really good AAA numbers. I mean, he came up to the show. He has just been getting annihilated game after game right now, uh, averaging maybe anywhere like five to six innings. But they're doing that just so that way they can give their bullpen a relief. It's not that he's, like, being effective. He's got an ERA average of 10. Like. I mean, that you're going to find run support that you need for that total from from Bello, no doubt. Yeah, he's just not getting it done. So those are the four
0: plays for tonight, Friday, July 29th. Uh, David is going to be here pretty much the rest of baseball season when our schedules work out where we can record. And then starting, I believe, week three of the NFL,
1: right? Yeah, week three or four, we're going to definitely jump in on the NFL together um yep. it should be right about that you know like i like to let stats like come in and make sure that i've got something current a form of where these teams are with definitely you know how we are going to watch this season progress with nfl so um yeah it'll be great um i can't wait to get started again after giving out so many great winners with you at the end of last year's nfl and playoff season
0: yeah yeah you killed it man and i cannot wait for the nfl season to start thanks for coming on Guys, make sure you give David a follow at BetterDP21 on Twitter and Instagram. And we will be back next week. And we'll be telling you what MLB bets to lock in. Until then, my friend. Guys, make sure you give David a follow at BetterDP21 on Instagram and Twitter. The guy knows his stuff. And he is one of the sharpest handicappers on social media. We're at that time of the podcast. We're talking fantasy football. And who better to come on than the OG... When it comes to fantasy football, talking with me, then fantasy football wish list, a.k.a. Scotty. How are you doing, my man?
2: I'm doing awesome. But before we start, we have to take votes. Which hat is better backwards? Is it with the strap or without the strap? So at the end, we'll tally it up to scores and see who wins. Well, here's the thing.
0: I had a young lady come up to me multiple times in NOLO this past weekend and tell me "I'm it's better forward. And I'm not a forward. I'm not a forward wearing hat, but it's just, I don't know. Like,
2: what is she telling you that to cover your face? That you got to find that out. That, that's well, you
0: know. we are Snapchat friends. So we're basically, we're basically like married right now. So I would, yeah, you definitely put a ring on it. That's for sure. So, um, you know, we're here to talk about some fantasy football running backs, but until we, until we talk about that, you're rocking the football team t shirt. How long is it going to take you to call them the Commanders?
2: Oh, man. I'm going to call them the Redskins and then cut it out to the football team, to the Commanders, until they change their name in another three years when Uh Dan Snyder sells a team. And, uh, you know, let's figure it out. But uh, I just hope for a winning season. I mean, I I don't care. You can call me whatever you want. Just win. Win football. Win football.
0: So uh, you're doing something great this year. You have the Queens Ransom League which is an all-female league? Why don't you tell everyone, A, how you came up with the idea
2: and what's going on with that? One, I think it's cool as hell to have females involved. I think fantasy sports in general is better with females involved. Um, I really just wanted to put them on a stage. I wanted to get some, um, as being in the analyst uh, realm of this, uh, for a couple of years, I met a couple of people. We have over 500 thousand followers um, in this group of 12 women. Um, um, I made up a page on Instagram for them. It's the Queens Ransom League just started. So it doesn't have many followers yet, but once we get the draft going, I just wanted to get females out there. I think more females need to be involved in fantasy sports. It makes it better for everyone.
0: I agree. One hundred percent. Now we what I can tell you this, I think my girls dresses and salted pretzels. They're the early betting favorites. Um, you know, they those three women, especially Misty. Misty is quite how can I, she's quietly sharp. She's she's quietly sharp. Plus, she went to Michigan State. So that means she automatically is the head of the class in the in the group.
2: And if you're not following them, you got to follow them. They have great personalities. Um, they're definitely very colorful and um, very colorful. You, you know, it, dude, I, that's the word for them because they're like in your face but not annoying. They they get to the point. Um, they're easy to uh, just you know y- you get you get drawn in. Though. So uh, I'm, I'm happy to I, have I'm, them in. I, I'm on their live
0: stream every Tuesday for the last ten, giving out a betting pick. And they're a very easy to talk to. And they just kind of, yeah, great group of gals, great group of gals. Um, let's dive right into these rankings. Uh, first pick.
2: Who is your number 10 running back? My number 10 running back this year is Cam Akers. Um, I think everybody is uh, down on Cam Akers because of what happened at the end of last season. He tore his ACL in July. And then when he tried to come back, um, I think he's getting bashed over the head that that injury he took lasts eight to 12 months for recovery time. He came back in five. So he's in an awesome offense. Um, He has elite talent. And what I love and what me and Eric um, connected with early in the early years of our friendship is the coach has an offensive mindset. He's successful with his running backs and they're in an, an explosive offense. Um, I, I'm not scared of Daryl Henderson. Um, no one's talking about Daryl Henderson because um, when he had the opportunity, I, I don't think he took it. So it's Cam Akers backfield and the opportunity he has, he, he, he made it into my top 10.
0: I, uh, I, I like Cam Akers. I've been pro Cam Akers for a while. Uh, my number 10, I'm going to Motown. I'm going DeAndre Swift. Lions greatly improved their offensive line. Campbell's been adamant. He wants to run the ball. Old school mind, control the clock. My worry with him, and, you know, I've been told I'm a Debbie Downer, is just the workload. You know what I mean? Like, just like can he maintain the pounding over a whole season and, you know, get through it? Because he has an injury history. So that's my one worry with DeAndre Swift. Obviously in PPR because, He is such an active receiver. He'll have a little bit more value. But right now, to start it off with the Lions offensive line, one one, sneaky good, I have DeAndre Swift at 10.
2: I love DeAndre Swift this
0: year. I I know you do. I know you do. Uh, Number nine, who are you rocking with at
2: number nine? Uh, The guy who gets no love, Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb all he does is rush for over a thousand yards has at least eight touchdowns every single year and Kareem Hunt is getting less and less scary from taking work away from Nick Chubb um that whole mess with Deshaun Watson in Cleveland is scary but you know can't take away from um Nick Chubb's workload and his um year after year success with uh succeeding in the league and um did you see him lift the 600 pounds squats? That
0: is, that's almost as much as I can squat. Like
2: <laughs> I can
0: squat 605. I have those two little plate, those two little two and a half plates at the end when I'm squatting. So, you know, he's almost at my level.
2: I I, I could squat 600 as well, but my decimal point is after the first zero. <laughs> um, Here's, here's my thing.
0: You mentioned Kareem Hunt and, I was going through this and this absolutely blew my mind. Right leg alone. He's had six flipping injuries, Yeah, six injuries to one leg. Like just let that, let that absolutely just sink in. It just, it's mind boggling to me that.
2: Eric, as you get older, do your injuries get easier? oh
0: my god like <laughs> like if I mean I don't want to go through everything I have to do to my body that's like just slowly breaking down
3: <laughs> yes from breathing to every oh my god it's
0: just, it's just brutal I mean I played I was a d1 athlete played a little sniffed out a little low level pro and my body is just deteriorating I mean I got shoulder elbow knee and when you see one guy have, Six injuries to one leg—it is a little worrisome. Um, I love Chubb; I have him a little bit higher than you. My number nine—and this is when this is when I'm going to catch flack from people—Eric Henry, number nine. Um, you know, I'm worried about the injury. I'm worried about them losing some guys on the offensive line, and I'm worried about Tyler Lawan, who just hasn't been the same since the ACL injury. So. I have Henry at number nine. The guy's a beast. He didn't look the best when he came back. And just,
2: I just, I don't know. I I have Henry at nine. I'm just down on him
4: this
0: Uh, year.
2: Absolutely. And in years past, I gave Henry no love. And I was with you. But after he proved me wrong the last two years, I mean, except for the injury that happened last year, Mm -hmm. I kept bashing Henry, bashing Henry. And I'm like, guys, relax. But, um, How you're feeling, I think we're turning the opposite here. But uh, he doesn't have many years left either. He's getting older. He's big. And he's a big man. He's getting hit. He's getting into like 30 car accidents a game. Every time, like Reggie Bush said it in a a speech, he said, getting hit in football is like getting into a car accident. And Derrick Henry touches the ball 30 times for that team. And they're going to be a horrible team this year. Um, He's going to be in 30 car accidents a game. So can his body hold up? That's a question that wear and tear just gets to you. Yeah, eight. Who are you rocking with at eight?
5: At eight, I have
2: Joe Mixon. Um, Joe Mixon, the Cincinnati Bengals, surprised a lot of people last year. Um, Jamar Chase proved he's an elite wide receiver. Joe Burrow still has that connection from college. Um, I have him at eight and not in like higher because I think Mixon reached his ceiling already. I think you know what you're going to get from Mixon. I don't think he's going to go higher than what he he did last year. I think that's what I would expect this year, too. Um, I think uh, you know, I I was surprised with Samaje Perine as a backup who as well as he played when he was told to come in, not saying that he's gonna split carries or anything, but I think Mixon hit his ceiling already, and for people to expect higher than what he did last year is unrealistic. Oh, and their offensive line got incredibly better this year. Yeah. Uh my eight.
0: Was year nine. I have Nick Chubb at eight. It's just, it's just absolutely insane how this guy just gets no love whatsoever. Uh, I think he's gonna be a little bit more of a focal. I don't want to this focal point the right, I think he's gonna get more love this year in the offense, uh, with what they're trying to do. He averaged an insane 5.1 yards per carry. You know, he rushed for the second most yards, has a third most breakaway runs in the NFL second highest breakaway rate, you know, force the fifth most missed tackles. I, especially if Watson can't go, I think Skafanski is going to lean on Chubb a lot in those first four, six, eight, what, how many other games that, um that Watson is out for. So I really like Chubb. The one thing that worries me is we see Skafansky. I feel just you got Chubb. He's averaging five yards a carry. Why aren't you using him more? That's the thing that just doesn't make sense is I, as much as everyone kisses Kafansky's ass, he does some weird things in my eyes. So because of that, um, I have him eight. But look, if I'm in the second round, as crazy as it sounds, and he's sitting there, I'm going to take him. Because at the end of the day, I found this really interesting. I was looking at the top 50 fantasy football scores for the last six years. On the average, only 10 of them are running backs. Right. So... I think Chubb is a guy you can get at the end of the second round, at the beginning of the second round, end of the first. That's going to lead you to a championship. I like Chubb a lot. My question is to Vansky. That's why I have him a little lower compared to the rest. And uh,
2: you got to pick three running backs with your first two picks. I mean, I load up on running backs. I don't know why Chubb is such a boring pick, too. And I'm guilty of that. I don't even have an answer for it. Like, I'm at the end of the first round. And at the end of the first round, picking Chubb is not a stupid move. But, like, it's like a... Boring pick. It's like picking an offensive lineman in the NFL draft. It's like the smart move, but like not the, wow, all right, I'm excited. That's what Nick Chubb is. If Watson ends up only missing, I mean, I'm saying only missing, six to eight games, and you're going to have Watson at the second half of the year, I bump Chubb up Chubb up, because Watson, with his ability to use his legs, is going to make more openings for Nick Chubb to uh
0: Fine, that's a good point because with Watson back there, they're going to use a lot more RPOs. So, yeah. I just I don't know. It's just Kafansky, man. Just, <laughs> you know what I mean? I just
2: put the yeah. headset on, Eric. Put the headset on, take it, over the line. It's
0: just and, like, one thing about Watson, and I mean, I've said this in a couple things. So, those that are listening or watching, one of my good friends played in the NBA, you know, one of my best friends in life played in the NBA. Um, Multi-year career, won championships, the whole nine yards, every level, college and uh, and pros. His masseuse traveled on the road with him to games throughout the whole NBA season because awesome. he was. But like that just shows like what these athletes are like. They're not going to go to some rando for a massage. So that's why I think there's a little. What's the now?
2: Now is was it a male or female masseuse?
0: Um. He had a, he had a male,
2: yeah. Be safe, dude. Be safe.
0: Yeah, he had a male. I mean, it's just, but like, like literally, like when when he, they would go on like seven, ten game road trips, he is paying for this guy to travel yeah. so that way he can take care of take care of his body. Because I mean, for to play in the league as long as he did, you have to be able to take care of your body. Um for sure. My number, my number seven, and you know what? This is worrisome because he does. He's 26 years old. He's had season-ending injuries the last two years. Christian McCaffrey. And the one thing, the the one thing about McCaffrey that stood out for me is they are switching to a zone running scheme. And his and two years, his first two years, when they did have the zone running scheme, he averaged over five yards of carry. So I don't think you can give him. 20 but 20 plus touches a game but if he's getting 15 you know 12 carries averaging five a factor in the passing game I think he can have a decent season with how McAdoo the new offensive coordinator and rule like to play run the ball play defense I think McCaffrey could have a decent season so I put him at seven
2: well he, he has been successful with bad quarterbacks he has been successful with bad coaches so uh It's hard to go against Christian McCaffrey. And we just don't know if he can stay healthy. That's
0: the thing. At the end of the day, can McCaffrey stay healthy? And I'm banking no, but with the setup.
2: (laughs) I love it. I love it. That's why I have him high. Uh, All right. I'm going to go with my number seven. I actually have Aaron Jones, another old man. So I guess we're going at our number sevens. We're going with the 27-year-old guys. Uh, Aaron Jones, um, I don't think A.J. Dillon is going to um, have less carries. I think A.J. Dillon will get more carries this year. I think he will take more pressure off of Aaron Jones, which will, in my opinion, prolong Aaron Jones' season. Like Aaron Jones, you're scared of his health risks. But with A.J. Dillon, I think it's actually going to be positive because his average Aaron Jones is his average when Devontae Adams is not in the lineup is six receptions a game and over 50 yards a game receiving. That's not even including his rushing attempts. So with Devontae Adams out, and you could talk about Christian Watson, you could talk about Lazard, they're not Devontae Adams, they're not Randall Common his prime. They're going to rely on A.J. Dillon this year and um, Aaron Jones. And Aaron Jones, let's say he gets 15 carries instead of 20. I'm fine with that, with his six catches and 50 yards receiving. So you're looking at a 70-catch season for Aaron Jones this year, and that's why I have him at number seven.
0: Um, I love Aaron Jones. I'm looking at fantasy pros right now. He's got an ADP of 23. He's RB13. That means, you know, end of the second round, you can possibly get Aaron Jones. Uh, why don't you tell everyone you're number six? My
2: number six is uh, Najee Harris. He would be higher if I had more faith in the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, I don't have faith in the Pittsburgh Steelers this year. Um, I think they're in like a rebound mode. I'm not, I don't have um, – so, I'm not so high on Pickett, Kenny Pickett, right now. Um, but I'm not going to ignore that he had 300 carries and 70 catches last year. So on volume alone, I have Najee Harris at number six.
0: You're not high on small hands.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I have small hands and I think he has smaller hands than me. <laughs> I mean, he's got some, He got some small, some small.
0: Bits. He needs bigger gloves. <laughs> um, my number six, you just talked about him, Aaron Jones. Um, I'll just piggyback on what you said. Just looking at it. He has the ninth most touches, six most total yards, fifth most fantasy points. Of all running backs over the last three years. He also has the six most targets and receptions in that same span. And with the departures of Adams and MVS, you just have to expect that to go up. Also, losing Adams, I think this is gonna be more of a run-based type offense. So I love Aaron Jones. I mean, I'm gonna be doing a backflip if I can get to him at the end of the second round. And I'll be honest, like you. I want to run, you know, we're halfway through and I want to run this concept by you because I was thinking about this based on what I said about 10 running backs being in the top 50 of score. What I think I'm going to do, my strategy is going to be is I'm going to list my top 10 running backs. Okay, so right now I have Aaron Jones at six. If I don't get as soon as these guys are off I'm going to start drafting wide receivers and then circle back in the third or fourth round to get for say, like a Josh Jacobs, who I, who I like. What do you think of that strategy?
2: I'm going to turn that around to we're talking and just in our top five, we're up to number five. We just named their 10 to five, uh, 10 to six. So five guys there, they have values in the second round. So you could even go with a, um Jefferson, Chase, Adams in the first round and get like a Chubb in the second, uh Aaron Jones in the second. And there are other names that we're going to mention in the in the future in a short bit, but um I, I'm more I could get what I love to load up on running backs. I, I don't care. Um it takes away from the injury risk for me. It take um and the more I get running backs, we'll put more pressure on the other teams in the league to go to panic. And while they panic on an average running back, I'm still going to get my wide receivers that have value. So, uh, me personally, I love to just. You
0: just
4: keep you're you're a running it. back quarter. Let's,
2: let's, I'm a running back quarter. I'm going a, to take them from call, you.
0: Let's call a spade a spade. You're a running back quarter.
2: Yeah. I am a running back quarter. I, I pick five running backs for my first three picks. That's what I do all the time. And we were in a league last year. My first three picks were Akers before he got hurt. Swift and Antonio Gibson were my first three picks. So I go running back, running back, running back.
0: Um, number
2: five, who you got?
0: Number,
2: number five, I have Dalvin Cook. Um, fantasy elite fantasy running backs have like a three to four year lifespan being elite. And then they either drop off. Like they usually start their season slow and then they go into their three or four season elite status. And then they drop off. I think he's on the brink of his elite status right now. This is going to be the last year you're going to see Dalvin cook in the first round, but with the offense and the, the Justin Jefferson gritty, gritty, um, He's gonna. Ke- he, he's a safe first round pick in Dalvin Cook. Once the first couple go, and you, you see like Jefferson go, Dalvin Cook is the first like. All right, he's he's the. I'm sorry, he's the last safe pick, I believe, a, as a running back of one.
0: This is where we get juicy because I disagree with you. I disagree, oh! I disagree with you, but we'll we'll circle back to that later. Later, you in the got round. it. Um. My number five is J-Dub, Javante Williams. I absolutely love this guy. He led running backs in broken tackles, rushing attempts per broken tackle, second in RBs last year with missed tackles fourth, with missed tackles forced, excuse me, ninth in total yards after contact. This guy's a beast, and the thing that's going to happen in um, Denver this year is – they faced most of the, the most stacked boxes in the NFL last year. Now you have Russell Wilson back there. When that happens, he's going to audible out. So you're not going to be facing that many stacked boxes. Am I worried about the split time with Melvin Gordon? I am. But Melvin Gordon's 29 this year. And this is he's at the age where we start to see running backs deteriorate. Um, you know, I expect Williams to be the RB one and I like him a lot this year, especially with Hackett coming in to be the new coach. I, I have Javante as running back five.
2: Now I'm going to go to you went after my cook. So I got to go after Javante. So after the season ended last year, I had Javante in my top five running backs for next year. Like I always try to predict a year ahead, you know, see, if, see if you hit. I had Javante as a top five running back that actually a top five picnic for this year. Um, when Melvin Gordon came back, yeah, he's 29 years old. I didn't realize how good Melvin Gordon played last year. And I know a year is a difference, but that scares me. And I love Javante Williams. I think he's a top three running back in the league, especially with Russell Wilson at the quarterback. Melvin Gordon is just going to piss people off.
0: Yeah. I'm, I don't know. Like, it's just, the talent's just there, and he does so much more, and he's younger. Yeah, I just. No, see-
2: I, I agree with you. I, 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 Melvin I, I, Gordon he, is a thorn. He
0: he is a he is a he is a thorn in my side.
2: So. <laughs> uh number four, who, who are you rocking with? Um, the guy playing in the best offense in football, uh, Austin Eckler. Um, Isaiah Spiller was a great draft pick by the Chargers. Um, I think he's a great running back, Isaiah Spiller. But um. He's not going to take half the carries or he's not going to take half the catches from Eckler. Mm -hmm. Eckler's still the man there and they arguably have the best quarterback in the league. I'm not knocking Josh Allen. I'm not knocking Patrick Mahomes, but you're looking at um, three young, good quarterbacks and Justin Herbert's one of them as like absolutely elite and fun to watch for the next 10 years. And um, Austin Eckler, you're safe with him catching 50 balls. Um, You're in a throwing offense. So they're not crowding the box. Um, if Eckler could stay off the injury, just like any other running back, um, you're safe top five running back right there.
0: I love, love Eckler. I'm yeah. a little higher than you. Uh, my number four, I went with Najee Harris and it's basically like, we want someone that's the clear cut. Number one with no competition. You know, we just were talking about, he made some great points with Javante and Melvin. Uh, with Najee, there's nobody else there, you know what I mean? So he's gonna be there getting all the love. Mm-hmm. Last season, he played 84% of the snaps at running back. The next closest was David Montgomery at 75%. So, I mean, that's just how much he is there. Of course, Big Ben not being there, Big Ben averaged the league worth 6.8 yards per tar- per uh, depth of target. So that means a lot of dink and dunk to uh, Dante Johnson and um so he's not going to get that many receptions but just opportunity alone that's why i have him as high as i have him because he's going to be the only game in town canada matt canada their oc he likes to run the pistol you can't run the pistol and rpos with big ben so with mobile quarterbacks i think there's going to be a little bit more rpo in the offense this year so i don't like the steelers that much i bet them under seven and a half wins but I got Najee Harris as running back four.
2: He's a workhorse. Yeah. He He's is. a workhorse. He, you got you to gotta bet on him just on volume alone, and I agree with you a thousand percent. Who's your number three? Number three, and I'm not embarrassed to say this, and uh, this little eye-opening, is DeAndre Swift. I think DeAndre Swift could actually end up being RB1 this year, and – Eric, I understand you're a Detroit fan, so you're also like me with Washington. You're not going to hype up Washington players like you don't probably don't hype up Detroit players, correct? No. So w- with this with DeAndre Swift, I I compare him to Dalvin Cook and I want you to listen to this. I got these stats. Dalvin Cook's first year, he had 354 rushing yards. Swift's first year, 521. This is what's crazy. Dalvin Cook's second year, 615 yards. Swift's second year, 617 yards. They are parallel to what they're doing. After the first two years of Dalvin Cook, oh, he's injury prone. I'm scared of him. He does have the explosiveness, but I'm scared he's injury prone. DeAndre Swift, love DeAndre Swift. He's explosive, but he's injury prone. Explosive, but injury prone. Detroit got better, and DeAndre Swift is parallel to Dalvin cook. And when Dalvin cook turned 23, he became an elite running back. Deandre Swift's 23 years old. This is when Deandre Swift is going to be on the map. This is when you're going to see Kamara leave Ezekiel Elliott leave that genre of running back elite running backs are going to step aside and a new one is going to arise. And Deandre Swift is going to be one of those guys. So I have him at number three.
0: As a Lions fan, I can I am just so used to being let down. Right. <laughs> so like, like you know what I mean? Like yeah. I, yeah, I, yes, I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> in, in my off I have Lions offensive line, one of the better ones in the league. So I completely agree with everything you say. It's just that I'm so used to being let down <laughs> as a Lions fan that 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 is what I'm expecting, but I could easily see Swift being that high a top three top four top five type guy um my number three he was year number four Austin Eckler uh I had him as my number two running back last year and that's basically what he what he finished as but something big has happened this year in I almost said San Diego excuse me Los Angeles and nobody is talking about it but I'm gonna talk about it they hired Brandon Nugent from the Saints as their offensive line coach. When Nugent was the Saints' offensive line coach, 2017 to 2021, they averaged an absolute insane 142 yards rushing per game.
2: Holy shit!
0: They added Zion Johnson. You know they they have um, they drafted the kid from Northwestern last year. Uh, the only weakness is Storm Newton on the offensive line. And now you got Herbert, who's getting better at audible, better at recognizing defense. This team is basically turning into because we have to remember Lombardi's our offensive coordinator, old school New Orleans West. And we have to remember how good Camara was when he first came up. Mm-hmm. That's basically Austin Eckler right now. And yes. the great thing is with them, you mentioned Isaiah Spiller. With them drafting Spiller, you can handcuff now. Yes. So, like, that's the thing. That's why I have Eckler so high because there was that little hiccup where he missed a couple games last year where you didn't know who to – was it, um, oh, my God, Jackson? Or was it the um, – they had some other guy. Josh Kelly. Yeah. Now you Now you have a guy you can safely handcuff with. So that I love Eckler. That's why I have Eckler as my number three. And I'll be honest, I may even bump it up. The more I think about it with them ha- ha- hiring Nugent, I freaking love it. So, yeah, I have Eckler,
2: RB number three. And be, before you, great points. Um, that is good points on Nugent. I didn't even know that. But um, I had Eckler last year ahead of Henry. Like, that's how I uh, have Eckler. Eckler is excellent. I, I love him. I absolutely
0: love him. Um, now number this two, this is when it gets weird. This is, this is when it gets weird. Cause you know what? We, we differ a little bit. But let's hear it. Who
2: who you guys? Your number two, my number two, Jonathan Taylor. Um, and honestly you can flip flop. Uh, uh, you know, Jonathan Taylor, the only the only reason I have him at number two is, Um, number one ranked running backs usually don't go back-to-back seasons. The last time I could remember is probably like Priest Holmes, Larry Johnson. Um, But in the past like five years, it's a different RB1. Does Jonathan – you're safe with Jonathan Taylor at number one. Uh, I wanted to be different. Jonathan Taylor plays in a horrible division. He's going to rack up points versus them. He's still going to be the workhorse. He's still going to have the volume. He's still an excellent running back for years to come. And my reason for my number one, where I'll get to it when it gets to it, um, will further my point here. But Jonathan Taylor could be number one, but I have him as my number two, thinking that he will not repeat as the RB1. See, I,
0: God damn it. I wish I would. I have Taylor as my number one. And this, this is my worry about Taylor. Okay. This is my worry. I went on this little rant when I was previewing the NFC, AFC South, excuse me. Do you know how many games off the top of your head he had under 10 points last year?
2: I had him too.
0: And I'm doing point PPR. So you get an extra point for, he had two games where he didn't even score 10 points. Okay. One game where he scored 10.8. You Know 12.5, 18.4, 19.7, 18, 17.6. If you take out that 53.4 point debacle against the Bills, you know, he's, he's kind of, average, you know what I mean? So I have him as my one. I'll kind of spoil it, but I am legitimately worried about Jonathan Cook, like Jonathan Taylor this year.
2: I have still- I'm sorry. I have Jonathan Taylor and like Najee Harris. Yeah. as similar. They, they, they have no depth on the offensive line. Yeah. Um,
0: Jaguars, you know, they're, they have some talent. Texans, defense is going to be better. Titans have Jeffrey Simmons. I, you know what I mean? I just, with Matt Ryan, you can't do as many shotgun RPO type things they're doing with Wentz. Right. I have Taylor as my one. But I, I'm going to be, excuse my language, shitting my pants if I have one, the one pick in my leagues this year just because I really I really don't want them. <laughs>
2: as crazy as it sounds. I know. I don't want the number one pick. I don't want the number one pick. Give me, give me two good players at the back end. Me, give me the choice of who I'm picking. I don't want to have to make that yeah, start. I, I don't want... I don't want that at
0: all, at all. You know, I want, <laughs> I want the back pick, like you were saying. Get two players. I'll be absolutely comfortable with. Yeah, that's what I want. Um, so I'll go back. I'll circle back. My number two, and you know, we're gonna differ here. Is I put Joe Mixon. I put Joe Mixon as my number two. Uh, I'm their offensive line, as you mentioned, has improved the Bengals were only 20th in pass attempts last year. So it's not like they're running the ball. They were 10th in early down runs last season, six in early down runs with the lead. So at the end of the day, he likes Zach Taylor likes to run the ball. Mixon had was six in snap percentage in 2021. He was second only behind Najee Harris in rush share. <sighs> I think at the end of the day, Taylor still likes to run the ball, and I think Mixon is going to be that guy. Am I concerned about him not being like the quote-unquote third down back? Yeah, I am. But I just think when you get that much volume and you seeing that high of a snap percentage, the sixth highest in running backs, I'm not really that worried about it. So, yeah, I got I got Joey Mixon as my RB2.
2: Who's your RB1? With RB one, and I'm going to try to veer you into, uh, you agreeing with me, but I'm going to ask you questions and see if you agree. So I do not believe Derrick Henry is a hall of famer right now. Do you agree with that? I don't know. I if mean, he retired, if he retired, would you if put he him retires in the hall? right now? I say no. Okay. So we're on the same page there. Is Derrick Henry a hall of fame player?
0: See, my standard – I think the Hall of Fame is becoming way too, like
2: – Easy to get in? Yeah. So – So he- here- here's where I'm getting at, Eric. I do not believe he's a Hall of Fame player right now. If Derrick Henry retired right now, he's not in the Hall of Fame. And I agree with you with that. I personally think Derrick Henry is a Hall of Fame player, though. But to get into the Hall of Fame, he needs to have two more Derrick Henry seasons. Mm-hmm. So he's my RB one because I'm going to pick him in the middle of his Hall of Fame career because I'm banking on he's going to make the Hall of Fame. I bet Derrick Henry makes the Hall of Fame. And for him to do that, he needs two more Derrick Henry seasons. So give me him as the RB one and I'll just ride it out that he's going. I'm banking on Derrick Henry with the way he works out in the offseason and his team being God horrific this year. Um, he's going to touch the ball. If he stays healthy, he's untouchable number
0: one so i respectively disagree um, yeah, <laughs> and that's going to lead us to our avoids these are players that we're looking to avoid they're on our, our i always i don't know how you do it i always make a list do not draft this guy so you mentioned Derek henry why don't you tell us who your as your rb1 why don't you tell us who your first? Who, who's wanted the
2: first? Guy, I'm going to avoid is uh, a guy that surprisingly might was not in my top 10. If you did not catch it, Christian McCaffrey. Um, Christian picking Christian McCaffrey in the first round is basically you asking for COVID to happen again. Instead, they're saying, um, there's a new virus and it's called um, picking Christian McCaffrey in the first round. Stop picking Christian McCaffrey in the first round. Can he score 30 points a game? Absolutely. But the last time he played that way was in 2019 to put you in a better perspective, Deandre Swift, who is injury prone outscored CMC the last two seasons. So I'm not going to risk my, to get Christian McCaffrey, you got to pick him in the first round. I'm not using a first round pick on Christian McCaffrey because of his getting older and injuries all these years. And like I said, Deandre Swift is considered injury prone And he's outplaying Christian McCaffrey the last two years. And Christian McCaffrey is not playing on a good team. So I'm not – Christian McCaffrey will not be on my team this year in any league. It just blows my mind how
0: people are drafting him as RB3 right now.
2: Yeah, no. Stop it.
0: As someone that has had two seasons back-to-back be cut short because of injuries – He just he's just too much of a workload. I get it. You know, I mentioned the offensive line stat running behind zone and everything. But yeah, I just can't, I agree with you 100 percent I can't can't endorse taking McCaffrey in the first round. McCaffrey in the second round, hey, that's a different score. But first round, no. My first avoid, and I hate it, I hate it to do this to you. Do it, do it. Derrick Henry. I disagree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's coming off a major injury. He has a screw in his foot. Uh, Titans lost Roger Scaffold and Dan Quisenberry. They're starting interior guards, both of, both of whom were top 13, according to PFF. Replacing him with Nate Davis, 33 PFF, and Aaron Brewer, 78 PFF. So they're not the best run blockers. A little worried about that. I mentioned Taylor one hasn't been the same since the ACL injury. Maybe he'll come back. Maybe we'll see the Lawan pre injury, but those big boys' knee injuries always worry me. Plus, you mentioned the Titans being bad. No, um, no Fister at the tight end position, no um, AJ Brown, no Julio Jones. I think the Titans are going to just gonna be facing more stacked boxes this year. So I'm a little concerned about Derrick Henry. And I mentioned this, this crazy stat. Um, he only played eight games last year, and he was like thirty second. He had thirty two carries in the red zone, which was like thirteenth overall. It's just absurd how much the Titans Warper. lean on him. So I'm just, I, I I'm just not going to draft him. I could get burned, but I just with how my mind works, there's too many variables.
2: Well, just to back up my point a little bit, Julio Jones didn't play last year for the Titans either. Um, <laughs> no,
1: I'm joking. Guess, Injuries. I'm
2: joking, I'm, I'm joking. My point is, like, if
0: I'm know, a D, if I'm a DC, I'm not worried about Westbrook Akeen, or or Westbrook. Oh, I, I'd be more worried about Julio. You know what I mean? So it's just like I'm, busting and, I'm busting balls.
2: I'm busting balls. Just know. Uh, you know, I, I'm I'm going with. I I truly do believe he's a Hall of Fame running back, and he's not a Hall of Famer right now. So. I'm I'm going to ride the wave, and you're going with the uh, plus 144 on this bet. Um. <laughs>
0: so, who is second on your
2: avoid? Uh, Alvin Kamara. Um, Jail. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna phase what? <laughs> Jail. Oh yeah, well that too. The, even, yeah, even without you, yeah. First of all, Mark Ingram put him on the board at the end of your draft. Yeah. He might go undrafted, but uh, Alvin Kamara since Drew Brees left. That first year, I was like, hey, he's still good. Let's give him a chance. Without Drew Brees, Alvin Kamara is an average running back at best. Um, I would fade all the Saints. Uh, I would fade Michael Thomas, too. That that team is just a train wreck. And like Eric just said, he might be uh, facing a suspension up to six games. So he's- I'm avoiding Alvin Kamara at all costs. Yeah, I agree 100%.
0: He, if you didn't take him, he'd be on my avoid list. Um- yeah. Second, now don't get me wrong, I love Cam Akers. I love Cam Akers, but I can't go against history. No running back has ever came back from an Achilles and finished as a top twelve in fantasy football scoring the next season.
2: Now, oh wow! Now, so next. that's di- that's different than what happened to Jamal Charles.
0: Jamal Charles, didn't I'm trying to remember next season though.
2: It it wasn't the next season? No,
0: it wasn't the next season. Oh, okay. He heard it kind of like – Okay. Because it was against that game against the Lions when he did it on the sidelines. Okay. Um, Also, now this was crazy. The Rams ran behind Whitworth 23% of the time last year. That is the most ever, and he's gone replaced by Joe Notenblum, who's never (laughs) – been a starter in the league before there is way too many tr- questions for me to trust acres
2: uh great points i would follow that lead <laughs> you which... know what
0: i mean i just can't there's just too many questions now don't get me wrong i have a cam acre shirt when he was coming out of florida state i had him as rb1 i am pro cam acres <laughs> yeah. and i hope to god i'm wrong but when i just kind of sit back i just
2: can't no and to anybody that's listening to go by history when something like that happens, go by that trend. Don't go by your gut in that instance. Like usually if you're going between two players, then go with your gut. But if you have history behind it and what the points Eric's making, if it's hasn't happened, go with the facts. Who's third on your avoid list? Um Fatty. Uh Leonard Fournette. Um basically, you know. We were all shocked when the Jaguars were like, oh, we're trading Leonard Fournette. I was in my work van. I went, hold on. I got to check this again. The Jaguars gave up Leonard Fournette. I said, well, holy shit. So he must be a head case. Then he goes to Tom Brady and Tom Brady keeps him in line. And I'm like, oh, Leonard Fournette, he rejuvenated his career. He's going to be a stud. I can't wait to pick Fournette. Then once Tom Brady probably retired, that went after the season or after the Super Bowl, he retired. Leonard Fournette went straight to a Waffle House. And I think he just ate about 40 waffles, dude. That guy is 260 pounds in camp. Not only in one um, source, all the sources said they went to camp 260 pounds, you know, and you deal with professional athletes, Eric, you got to, we're a month away from the NFL season. You have to get into training and it takes time to get fit again and get back into shape. Not only does he have to get back into shape, he has to lose 40 pounds. Uh, Um, I'm not banking on that. And there's a reason the Jaguars let him go because the guy's clearly a head case. Tom Brady had him for one season, kept him in line, which Tom Brady usually does. That's why he's a professional. But now that Tom, he's coming 40 pounds overweight. Can't trust that. And he doesn't have enough time to lose it. So bye-bye for
0: And just to piggyback what you said, they lost their center. They lost the guard. Um, Arians isn't there anymore. I think Arians really was the man behind the offense, not Leftwich. So there are a lot of concerns. But I will say this I wasn't, he lives in New Orleans. I was in New Orleans for a weekend and I gained 10 pounds. So I, <laughs> you get it. You know, I get it, dude. Like that's a, that's a great. Feeling. How much is a plane flight
2: to New Orleans? I'm
0: starving. <laughs> oh my God. Um, my next one, I'm going Delvin Cook and he's, It's just availability. I want to be able to draft someone that's there for the playoffs, there for the semifinals, there for the championship game. He's never made it that far. He's always hurt. Um, And this is like a key thing. Like you and I both agree in handcuffing. Now forever, you could, okay, fine. Just just get Alexander Madison. But the thing is, is the Vikings brought in Kevin O'Connell. O'Connell is switching. So they're not going to be strictly a zone scheme anymore. It's going to be more of a combo, you know, a combination between power and zone runs. Madison has never ran anything but in a zone scheme. Oh. And we saw it when Devontae Freeman was with the Falcons, okay, and the Falcons switched from a zone running scheme to a power scheme, Freeman, he just, he just fell off the face of the earth because he was just running straight ahead because he didn't know what to do. So I see Madison having a similar struggle. And you factor in the handcuff, factor in Cook never being available, and then factor in O'Connell came out and said he wants to run the ball less and have it be a more of a short passing game. Cook's never been a good receiver. So there's just, you know, and, and you're taking away his carries because you want to have more of a short passing game. And I get it because you have Justin Jefferson. I understand it. Switching schemes, no handcuff, lack of availability. That's three strikes against the Alvin Cook in my eyes. So he is completely off my board.
2: Oh, wowers. Wowzers.
0: I know. I know. You know, I'm like Clay Thompson over here, buddy. Shoot or shoot, man. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: so, now, with the targets?
0: so now we're going with the targets. We got three targets here. Target number one.
2: Um, you're making me feel comfortable maybe for the first time in my life going wide receiver in the first round, my target number one, we're talking about guys who get injured a lot, but Saquon Barkley is slipping into the second round. And, um, if you're going to take a chance on Christian McCaffrey in the first, avoid Christian McCaffrey and then take the chance on Saquon Barkley, who is getting his best coach that he's had in his career. Um, having the best offensive line that he's having in his career. And he's also playing for a contract. Um, he has all these three things going for him. And let's say if he's healthy, he's an elite running back. And we're talking about this with all the running backs. Cause I guess running back is the position that gets hurt the most because they get hit the most. Barkley has every opportunity right now to succeed this is his career right here. He knows this is his career, so he, he's playing for the money. He play he's playing behind the best offensive line. His QB sucks, so it's up to Saquon Barkley to carry the offense, and I think he does succeed this year. If not, you 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 could stab me in the back, but I'm willing to put in my chips on Saquon Barkley this year, especially in the second round, getting an RB one like that. I'm, I'm I'm safe with that. I'm targeting that. And just to piggyback
0: one thing you've said, if you just look at all the running backs that have been in a grindable system, they've all overachieved their fantasy football expectation. So right. I like Barkley. I like Barkley a lot. Uh, my next one, you know, I'm going to the local kid. For those that don't know, I'm in the Chicagoland area. Going to a little David Montgomery. Uh, Bears are shifting to a zone blocking scheme. Montgomery averages almost a whole yard better running zone runs compared to non-zone runs in his 10-year in the league. Uh, They'll be running a little bit more RPOs this year with fields that will freeze the linebacker, open up more lanes. Plus, they hired Chris Morgan as their offensive line coach. Chris Morgan has a history of going to places and improving their offensive lines and making them finish a little bit better. Over the last three seasons, Montgomery 5th most touches, ninth most total yards, 11th most fantasy points. I like Montgomery here. I mean, heck, his ADP, according to um, fantasy pros right now, he's RB19, 35th overall. This is the guy in
2: the third round that I absolutely love. David Montgomery is the Nick Chubb of the third round. He's the guy who just continually um, puts up numbers constantly and he's reliable and he, he doesn't get hurt and he just plays and plays and puts up the 15 points, 15 points, 15 points. He's not throwing you to the 30 point game, but I'll give you 15, dude. I'll give you 15, 15, 15. And people are bored to pick David Montgomery and he's a safe bet. I love David Montgomery.
0: I absolutely love him too. Who's uh, Who's your next target?
2: My next target is Ronald Jones. Um, I think Ronald Jones is the best RB two the chiefs that had have had in the last, since Damian Williams, I guess, since he got hurt. Um, he's barreling Daryl Williams. Um, Hilaire is proving he's not a workhorse running back. I don't honestly, I don't think Hilaire's is good. Um, he can't break tackles. He's not a goal line rusher. Um, Ronald Jones, it might bore people, might surprise people and people might think he's been in the league for 10 years. He's only 24 years old. Um, he can catch the ball out of the backfield. Um, and with opportunity with Andy Reid, and we've spoken about this before, Andy Reid excels with running backs. And in the past two or three years, it seems like the backup running back for the Chiefs is putting up the numbers over Hilaire since Hilaire has been drafted. And I think it's going to be an even um, – what's the word I'm looking for? The carries. They're, they're going to split, split carries. Um, so getting Ronald Jones, who's basically getting undrafted, and having a guy who literally will be your RB4. I'm targeting Ronald Jones at the end of the draft where people are just going, who do we pick? I'm picking Ronald Jones comfortably, splitting in the Chiefs offense.
0: I love Rojo this season. Just to piggyback one more thing you said. Chiefs have a sneaky good offensive line. Their defense isn't going to be as good. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't surprise me if they grind out a little bit more and Hilaire's shown that he can't run in between the tackles, something I said when they drafted him, no big deal, but you know, I just, and Rojo can, he can pass pro. Yes. You know what I mean? He just can do a lot more. So I, I freaking love
2: Rojo. This and year. people think he's older than he is because he, you yeah. talk about him all the time. He's only 24. It's it's crazy. He seems like he's been around in the league forever.
4: Right.
2: Um,
0: My next one is Damian Harris. He's gonna be their RB1. And the weird thing about the Patriots is they really don't they haven't named an offensive coordinator yet. So we really don't know who's calling the plays. Uh, if it's Belichick or Patricia, which sadly it could be Patricia, they're gonna lean on their defense. They're gonna to look to run the ball more. Patriots are one of the heaviest rushing teams in the NFL. They rushed the eighth most times last year. They have a top, they're gonna to have a top, they're in my top ten of offensive line rankings, despite losing shake Shaq, Shaq, Mason, and also Belichick. He has this history when running backs are entering their final year of their contract and not resign of just absolutely just running them into the ground. And I think that's what he's going to do with Damian Harris. I think he's just going to run this guy into the ground. So yeah, I like him. I mean, I'm just looking right now at ratings, Damian Harris per fantasy pros. I can't even see him right now, but I, I like him right now. I think he's insanely valued. Third, fourth round guy. I absolutely love him. 28. RB 28, 66 overall. I mean, this oh is a,
4: this is 56
0: round. I mean, look I mean, people are drafting Alaire, Singletary, AJ Dillon, Elijah Moore, Travis Ennian, Bright, you know, Bryce Hall, and you know, Antonio Gibson all before. Damian Harris, which doesn't make any sense to me.
2: People are scared. What's your take on Stevenson? People are scared of him. But, I mean, I like Damian Harris. Yeah, I mean, just just with the history. You know what I mean? I I, like Damian Harris. I like it. Who's your final one? My final one is basically piggybacking. uh, I have no faith in Leonard Fournette. Um, The Tampa Bay Buccaneers drafted uh, Rashad White. Um, Tom Brady, usually he's comfortable with running backs, too. He's had Danny Woodhead. He had James White. He had Rex Burkhead. Even with Fournette, let's say best case scenario, I don't think I don't see Fournette doing what he did last year. Um, especially, I don't think his head's in the right place. So I thought White was going to get time anyway in this offense, and um, Tom Brady loves to dump off the ball to his running backs, and I believe Rashad White's going to uh, uh, step up in that. Spot, especially if with Leonard Fournette being out of shape. But as a bonus, though, I also was between Rashad White and uh, James Cook from the Buffalo Bills. Devin Singletary scares me, but I'm going to keep a, a good eye on that um, in August to see the Singletary-James Cook competition because James Cook is definitely a better running back. And if James Cook becomes the running back in that offense— He's going to skyrocket up or it's going up until the, like the fourth and fifth round, in in case if Singletary got hurt or he falls off a cliff.
0: I love James Cook. Like I on the E Top Two on Sports Show, he was the first one I featured on the fantasy football spotlight. Zone runner Singletary's not a zone runner. You know what I no. mean? Like, and it's unrealistic to expect they're going to run Allen thirty five percent of the time this year. So. No. I, I love Cook, and I also lo- love the kid from Tampa Bay. Uh, you know, Braze 41. You know, father time is undefeated. I think that's a great pull by you. Uh, my last one, and God, you know what? It's like, it's like I love playing with fire. I just love playing with fire. I'm just throwing out these guys that everyone just cringes at when I say their name, and this is another cringeworthy name I'm going to be
2: targeting. Josh Jacobs. Let them cringe at us, Eric. And before you go, Eric... I love Josh Jacobs this year. People are, I love Josh Jacobs this year. And you're picking guys that people are bored to draft, but he is performing. He just performs him. And I take him and David Montgomery as my running backs.
0: Nothing motivates people more than money. Am I correct? Go
2: for it.
0: He's 24 playing for a big contract next season. That's all you need to know. You looked about just producing over the last three years. Are you ready for this? 5th most rushing yards, 5th most TDs, and the ninth most fantasy points among running backs. Guy just produces. And Josh McDaniels coming over, is McDaniels going to follow the template that Bill Belichick has laid out for just running these running backs, entering their final season into the ground? I love Josh Jacobs this year. Offense is going to be more explosive. This is going to lead to more red zone production, too. Yeah, Josh Jacobs. I mean, I'm looking at it right now, per fantasy pros. He is, oh my God, look at this. He is RB18, Montgomery's RB19. I mean, that's just these are two guys I would absolutely just love if they were my starting back backfield.
2: If and this is real, this is realistic. If you're at the back end of the first round, you could go um Devontae Adams, Stefan Diggs comes back around. Montgomery, Josh Jacobs. You, you would have Josh Jacobs, David Montgomery, Stephon Diggs, and the Bonte Adams Adams. That's a loaded team. I, I mean, you would have the running back and wide receiver on the same team, but that was just off the top of my head. But you see where I'm going with it. You, you're going to get value. I'm looking at it right now. Most teams are 12,
0: okay? Most teams are 12. You could get, if I'm at the end right now, I could go Stephon Diggs and then either Debo or Tyreek Hill right and then I could circle back and get those two and I, you know that's that's a pretty good little pull. Yeah, and I'd be happy if I'm rolling out those as my starting uh starting skill positions Scotty oh, yeah. thanks for coming on it's amazing every time we come on we set these like unrealistic goals hey man 20-25 minutes 58 minutes later we're done my man thank you for taking time out of your Saturday to come on uh, why don't you tell everyone where they can find you on TikTok
2: and the gram? You guys can follow me on fantasy football wish list on Instagram. Please give me a follow. Fantasy wishlist on TikTok. And I do Sunday fantasy football shows on YouTube with the MJT Football Network. Uh used to be the Warzone Sports Network. They changed their names on me, but uh come come join and you'll see me with Eric on some shows with him. And uh I love it. I appreciate you uh, asking me to come on again
0: guys and girls make sure you give scotty a follow and you know what we'll talk soon my friend i'd like to thank scotty for coming on it's always funny like sometimes you get these guys that come on scotty and i it was like 20 minute talk hour later we're done talking fantasy football guy knows his stuff make sure you give him a follow at fantasy football wish list on instagram and twitter great follow producing great content knows his stuff turns out You know, he's a great friend. Really consider him a friend. So please, please, please give him a follow. Now we're going to shift our attention and my boy Sterling is going to come on and we're going to do an AFC preview. So we've reached the top part of our podcast. We're going to talk the whole AFC top to bottom. He's done this the last couple of years in a row. Sterling from Silver Star
4: Sports. How are you doing today, my man? I'm doing great. Football season's inching closer and closer and I'm excited to talk about it, especially this AFC. It's going to be a wild
0: one. AFC is going to be flipping phenomenal and who better to talk about than the Buffalo Bills? I mean, you want to talk about you want to talk about a team that's just been so close two seasons in a row. You kind of feel bad for them. Uh, they have made some interesting changes. No more Brian DeBull. The bull is gone. Uh, they brought in some key pieces um, in terms of Von Miller. Uh, they got DaQuan Jones and Tim Settle to help the defensive line. They brought in Roger Scaffle and Dan Quisenberry to help the interior of the off- of the offensive line. Interesting team here, you know. Why don't we
4: dive in? Why don't you tell me your initial thoughts of the Buffalo Bills? So the Buffalo Bills are an interesting team. It seems like everyone in the AFC um, has a little bit of hype around them, and especially the Bills. Um, they're the preseason favorites to win the Super Bowl. I looked earlier today, plus 600 as the favorite. Um, it seems like all the other AFC teams, they have a sense of mystery about them, but we know what we're going to get from the Bills. So that's why I like them a little bit better than all the other teams in the AFC um, super interesting team. Josh Allen uh, looks like an MVP candidate this year, looking for them to take the next jump. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if they can do it without Dable. Um, but yeah, no, this team is just really good all the way around, no matter which way you look at it. So here are my notes on, um,
0: you know, Ken Dorsey's coming in. He's going to be the offensive coordinator. They brought in Joe Brady, who I, Absolutely love you know how much I love Joe Brady and but offensive line wise they bring in Aaron Comer and I really think this is going to lead to a little bit more of a rushing attack and mainly a zone rushing attack. Josh Allen ran 35% of the time last year for the Bills, excuse me, 35% of the carry percentage. I think that's going to kind of go back where I think we're going to see James Cook take over. Because he's a zone rusher, Singletary's not. They brought in Scaffold, 13th PFF run blocking guard, Quisenberry, fifth PFF run blocking guard. I think this is kind of like they're going to run the ball a little bit more, and I think it's going to be James Cook's backfield. Uh, what do you? Th- I love the the signing of Jameson Crowder if he can stay healthy, dude. I mean, you got that underneath guy. I think that's huge. If he can stay healthy, which is the big if. um, One of the big disappointments has been O.J. Howard. Do you feel a change of scenery is
4: good for O.J.? I think a change of scenery could definitely do him well. Um, If you look back at Tampa, they had Rod Gonkowski, Cameron Bray. It was never really his tight end room. Um, It still might not be here just because of Dawson Knox. But I think they'll they'll be able to utilize him. um, Just because there's a second weapon uh, that needs to be unlocked in this offense. You have Stephon Diggs, but who's going to be the number two guy? Um, so could be Gabriel Davis. I think he'll have a big year after his big playoff performance last year. I think he will take in the next step. Um, but, yeah, no, I think O.J. Howard was a good signing under the radar. Now let's kind of look.
0: I'm looking at their schedule right here. They start off at the Rams. Tennessee, Miami. I mean, they could really, really easily be 3-0 going into Baltimore. Um, And then they play Pittsburgh at Kansas City. Now, that Kansas City game, I really think they're going to have circled. So it wouldn't surprise me if the Steelers were able to sneak up on them. After the bye, they play Green Bay. God only knows what we're going to get with Green Bay. Uh, At New York, Minnesota, Cleveland, that could be an easy three-game stretch because we don't – the fact the Browns signed Josh Rosen leads me to believe that Deshaun Watson is going to be suspended. Like, I thought – now, don't get me wrong. I think he should be suspended the whole season. But with the precedented set by the Greg Hardy situation, Hardy getting 10 games reduced to four, I thought Watson was going to get four to six. The Rosen signing makes me think that it's going to be longer – if this is like a Rosen or a Brissett game, that's going to be easy. Um, Thursday in Detroit, that's a loss. Mark it down. Lions shocking the world, upset in the Bills. Um, you know, I think it's it's a doable schedule. You know what I mean? There's not that really like some of these teams we're going to talk about. They have these tough stretches. There, they really don't have that much of a tough like four game stretch.
4: Yeah, no, I think they have a great runway to be the top seed in the AFC. You look at their schedule compared to like others as you mentioned and I really think that they'll coast to the number one seed in the division here in the conference.
0: Yeah, I am at twelve and five dude. I have them thirteen and four. So I mean well I obviously you haven't beating Detroit which is a mistake. <laughs> I mean obviously obviously you haven't beating Detroit which is a mistake. Um yeah I mean I think I think it's their Super Bowl but obviously my my thing is, is I never bet a team that's under 20 to one at this point to win a Super Bowl. I just don't think it's the right play just because we saw last year, last year they did have a little bit of a hiccup of the season and they were up to like 15 to one to win it. So there's always going to be a value play when you can get somebody. So I'll definitely like wait off a little bit on going after them. Um, Next team we're going to talk about an interesting team, a very interesting team, because they have they're one of the few teams that I can remember that lost seven straight, but then won seven straight in the same season. They made an inter. You know what? I wanted to ask you about this because someone asked me this, and it kind of caught me off guard. <laughs> and it, they fly. They fired Flores but all his assistants stayed.
4: Yeah. Isn't that a little weird? I think it was a internal power struggle and it's weird because most Dolphin fans I see, they are reluctant to give Flores credit for like that win streak and what he's done with the team over the past few years. So I definitely think there was something else going on um, that we're not privy to right now. Um, but Flores was a great coach man. and I don't know how they're going to replace him. Uh, I don't know. He just did so much for that team just as a CEO and a leader and being able to get the most out of their, uh, their guys. Because remember last year, two years ago, they were running with Patrick Laird, and that team was able to win games and compete at the NFL level. Like, I don't understand. So. Yeah, it's
0: just, it's, just, it's just something that's really interesting to me. Um, loaded offensive, loaded running back room. I really don't know who's going to be the running back one. Uh, this kind of stood out to me sony michelle was third dude third in most red zone touches which is kind of crazy to me um outside running zone system uh shanahan has taken mcdonald everywhere he's been since he's been in cleveland and last year though two years ago because last year they let him interview, they wouldn't let him interview for any jobs do you think mcdaniel was kind of the guy who was driving the 49ers and this whole Shanahan ship for the past like six years?
4: I don't know if I'd go that far because I think Shanahan, he has his own like coaching tree within the NFL. You see a lot of these teams, especially in the AFC run this wide zone Shanahan offense. Um, But I do think McDaniel, um, if you're like flashback last year, uh, the 49ers didn't start out too hot. And a lot of people were calling for Kyle Shanahan's job. So I think, they wanted McDaniel to be there in case things didn't uh, correct itself. And that's why they didn't let him interview for jobs. So, um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see what he does with this offense if he can get more out of Tua. Um, I know that's a whole conversation in itself. What are your thoughts on Tua? I know, I know. But. Tua sucks. I mean, <laughs> this is my thing. And this is like something
0: like nobody talks about. So, when you have a left handed quarterback, let's not even look at his inefficiencies. When you have a left handed quarterback, a, the ball comes out of the hand different. And it's just the fact of life. There's more right handed people than left handed. So the receivers aren't used to that. Left tackle and right tackle, their responsibilities flip flop. So that's a huge thing. Blocking steams change. So just factor in that. That's one strike against them. Number two, his mechanics are way off. Like I, I said from the get go. If you want him to be successful, it has to be quick hitting offense. West Coast style gets the ball out of his hand quickly because he can't throw the ball down the field. That's just the fact of life. So if this turns into something like offensively where the offensive line can improve him, they brought in Armstead from um, from the Saints. And if he can stay healthy, which has been an issue. Yeah. You you add Connor Williams. OK, you're keeping him. You're keeping them protective. But the fact they brought in someone like Teddy Bridgewater kind of tells me what they think of him.
4: Yeah, one and- foot in, one foot out for them. And then you made a good point about the left tackle, right tackle, their roles flipping. Who's playing right tackle for this team? Austin Jackson. He's been terrible so far in his young NFL career. And then Liam Eichenberg? I don't feel confident him protecting my, my franchise QB at the moment. Um, also, why they invested a lot in this run Lee? game. Why are you hitting on Leon, man? What? Why are you hitting on Eichen- Eichenberg, man? Eichenberg's <laughs> fine as a development, you know. Um, But, yeah, they invested a lot in this run game. But even then, I really don't think they'll have, like, a top 15 run game in the NFL. Uh, Mostert's always injured. Chase Edmonds was fine in Arizona. Uh Sony Michelle, what did he do with all those touches? Um So, yeah, I'm not really... Big on this Dolphins team I mean you mentioned
0: like right now I'm pulling up their offensive line And my their offensive Line Um, Yeah I 109th overall 108th pass Blocking 91st in run Blocking you know that That's who their right tackle is and they have Robert Hunt 45 overall 42nd pass blocking 48th Run blocking so You know it I'm not saying it's going to be better. I'm not saying it's going to be elite, but it is going to be better than what it was last year. Um, And the analogy I I always give Dolphins fans is this. Look, I live in Chicago, which is bitter cold. If I'm going to buy a Lamborghini, I'm going to get a garage before I get a Lamborghini. I kind of feel like the Dolphins just kind of got the Lamborghini that's turning out to be, I'm going to say, a Corvette. (laughs) But they still don't have a grind, You know what I mean? Uh, oh, Tua yeah. does have some deficiencies, and okay, this guess just off the top of your head, what was Jaden Wa- J- Jalen Waddle in rankings of wide receivers in average depth of target last year?
4: Ooh, I'm assuming he had like seven point four. No, like in wide receiver, like what was oh, he like? Ah, uh, all the wide receivers, thirty six
0: you're going to have to add 97 to that. He was wide receiver, 133 average depth of target. So that kind of proves what you and I have been saying that Tua just can't throw it down the field. I think we're going to see Tyreek Hill in a lot of the Debo, like lining up in the backfield, just trying to get the ball in his hands. Um, I think his is going to have a big part of the offense. Um, He could have a Kittle type season with all the tight end drags that, The 49ers have run, Um, but you know, okay. Let's, let's talk about this defense real quick. And then we'll cycle, then we'll cycle back. Um, Byron Jones, Xavier Howard, dude, 30 is when stuff starts to deteriorate. That is where both of them are at. Uh, They forced a lot of turnovers. One is that going to regress and something I've gotten into, I've gotten into Pythagorean win totals. So that is um, uh, points scored over points scored plus points allowed divided by no times games. So they won 10 games last year, okay? You know, their Pythagorean win total was close to nine, so that means they overachieved. By .8, that's almost one. Teams that are around that, they tend to regress. So, you know what I mean? I just, I don't know. Like, this this is a tough team for me. But, and you, but you look at their stretch, okay? I mean, they could realistically start the season off 0-4, man. They play New England. Baltimore, Buffalo, the Bengals, on the road, a short week. I mean, dude, they could easily be 0-4 to start the season. Like, what do you think they need to be to have, to have Tua be benched?
4: I don't see Tua getting benched until d- double-digit number of weeks. Um, so, if you so
0: hypothetically,
4: let's say they lose to New
0: England, lose at the ban- Rams, lose against the Bills, lose at the Bengals. They're 0-4. They play the Jets 0-5. They play the Minnesota Vikings. They lose that. They're 0-6. They're 0-6 going into week seven against Pittsburgh, who's I don't think is going to be that good this year. Did they make the switch then?
4: Uh, certainly possible. I would say they would make the switch at the bye. Um, their record going into there needs to be seen. I just, yeah. We're just both not high on this team at all. I have them at 8-9. I mean, I have them... Um, I have them at 8 and 9. I just That's more generous to me. I'm having them 6 and 11 actually.
0: And I just don't like it's amazing to me all these fantasy football experts don't understand math. Like how math wise can you have can you have Hill and Waddle as top 15 wide receivers then have Tua as a bottom quarterback. Math wise that like doesn't
4: you know what I mean? Like yeah. what do you expect from Tyreek Hill? Like if you had to predict his stat line
0: I expect them to be exactly used by Debo lined up in the backfield. A lot of like little, you know, give them to him in the backfield. I don't think his, I don't think he's going to,
4: I think he's going to get utterly frustrated. Oh yeah. I think I could just imagine by week four, there'll be him throwing his hands up uh, as he runs deep and Tua doesn't hit him or under throws a ball to him. I, I just feel like their offense is so gimmicky between having Waddle who did that a lot last year and then Hill, I mean, yeah, theoretically, two guys like that are hard to guard, but that offense is just, just going to be gimmicky. It's college and, offense. And one thing that we need to remember is this.
0: Tua's re- familiar with Waddle, so he's always going to look to him. Is Hill wants to be the man, wants to get targets? Is he going to get frustrated by not, you know what I mean, by not being the first look? I, I kind of feel that's kind of something that's not really being talked about enough. Later. Um, I have them at 8 and 9. I just... I don't know. Like, it's... I like the coach. I think the coach is the right hire. But I'll be honest, I just don't think Tua is the guy. I think they need to improve the offensive line. I think they need a clear-cut RB1. Um, Yeah, I just... I, and their, their start to the season is just absolutely brutal. So, yeah, I have them at 8 and 9. Next... We're going to go to another interesting team, and it's and believe it or not, I have two bets, and they're both on the same player. Two <laughs> bets, same player. We're going to the New England Patriots, ten and seven last year. Um, this is this is my thought about the Patriots. They have no OC. <laughs> they have no quarterback coach. They have all these coaches. They have no DC. They have all these coaches, but, like, no one like – what, like, what are people coaching? Yeah. Matt Jones is entering his second season. Who's his quarterback coach? Who's his offensive
4: coordinator? Like, I,
0: I don't know what's going on here.
4: And then, you, don't they have, like, with the D.C., it's, like, co-defensive coordinators? Because isn't it Gerard Mayo and um, Steve Belichick? But then yeah. also – Belichick's going to have his hand on the defense, so that's basically like three different voices you're listening to on the defensive Which, side of
0: the ball. Just doesn't make sense.
4: Offensive line, you know, they drafted Cole
0: Strange with the first round. He's going to take over for Shaq Mason. Mason got the fourth highest
4: PFF grade for
0: guards last season.
4: I don't know why they got rid of him. He was so oh. good last year. It just, it just
0: doesn't make sense. They brought in Devonte Parker, but they were eighth in rushing attempts, eighth in rushing yards. Damian Harris is a free agent. He's expect he's, he's entering the last year of his contract. What Belichick has showed us is these guys. He just runs into the ground. He just runs them into the ground. Gets a new running back to bring in. Um, they lost J.C. Jackson. I think that's going to be huge for that defense because how the defensive plays, they need that 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 corner that can lock down a um, uh, a side of the field. But I will say this. I will say, and son of a gun. This is the most interesting thing you'll hear. The Pythagorean win total. Okay. They won – oh, my God, I'm looking at the wrong thing. I am sorry. I have my wrong Pythagorean win total up. Um, They are – look for their Pythagorean win total they underachieved last year. They underachieved, which is kind of crazy because you think of teams that overachieve, one of the first teams that comes to your mind is who? The Patriots. Yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, their Pythagorean win total, they only won 10 games last year, Okay. Their Pythagorean win total was 12.12. Jeez, that's interesting. Which means they underachieved by 2.12 games, which means they're due due for some positive regression, which is absolutely mind-boggling to me. Um, My two plays are this, and they're just – I like Damian Harris over 850 yards. If Belichick or Matt Patricia truly are running plays, I think this is going to be a run-first team – I think they're going to look to control the clock, keep the defense on the sidelines. So I like Damian Harris over 850 total yards. And my long shot, Damian Harris to have the most rushing yards 25 to 1. I just, I just feel they're going to run him into the ground. I feel the offensive line, if Cole Strange is either like a top 15 PFF run blocker, that's what we're going to look to do. They're going to limit the exposure of, um, What's of uh, Mac Jones? So, yeah, I absolutely love, like, the over 850 rushing yards. And, you know, I think it's worth a flyer, you know, putting on them to be the leading rusher for Damian Harris. So I I really like those two bets.
4: Yeah, this team, uh, super interesting because I'm not sure about that offense. Um, When you compare them against, like, the other teams in the AFC, the Ravens, uh, Baltimore, the Chiefs. Um, they just don't have as dynamic an offense, so it worries me if they get down like how they did in the playoffs against the Bills that they won't be able to come back because throwing to um, Jacoby Myers, Devontae Parker, Kendrick Bourne. I don't, I don't really think that's your ceiling can only go so high with those people. Um, I think they lost plenty of pieces on the defense. We already mentioned J.C. Jackson, but Kyle Van Noy, who did just a little bit of everything for that defense and was, has been one of the most underrated players in the NFL for years. He's also gone now. Um, I think with the unclear structure of how of the organization, I think this team might struggle. I know you mentioned positive regression, but I, you can't really bet against them necessarily though, because of Belichick, because they're always well-prepared, well-coached, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I have them at eight and nine or nine and eight. Sorry. I have them at 10 and seven. I mean, they,
0: again, you know, there's like, that Cleveland game on the 6th, this week 6, we don't know what, what's going on with Watson there. Um, I, You know, I think they beat the Colts before the bye. Minnesota, you know, got only, they're at Minnesota a short week. I'm really low on the Vikings this year. I don't know how you are on the Vikings, but I'm really low on them. Um, We really don't know what's going to happen with Arizona in in week 14. Um, I just – I don't know. I am a 10-7 again. I just – Maybe it's my Belichick biased, but I have him in 10 and seven. So I just, but it is a little worrisome to me how they have all these coaches and literally nobody coaching anything, you know? So is Belichick just, is he just the man who's just saying everything? I don't know. And that's my worry point. Um, Next team. First of all, hypothetically, let's play what if. <laughs> hypothetically. Let's say, because you're you're a young dude. Let's say you, like, like how would you handle it if your best friend started dating your mom?
4: That's what. <laughs> We'd have some issues.
0: <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like how, like, like that whole Zach Wilson story is just absolutely positively, a blows my mind. For real. Yeah. B. I don't even know what to you know what I mean? It's like, what do I think with that? Um, I don't know. Like, it's just, for those that don't know, allegedly what happened was Zach Wilson, um, broke up with his girlfriend. His girlfriend started dating his best friend. And then his girlfriend posted on the gram that Wilson was, was sleeping with or having an affair when they were dating with his best friend's mom. That's basically the long story short of the gist. Um, So let me let me ask you this. You're the Jets, right? You have a young quarterback that struggles. What's the best thing for a young quarterback that struggles? A running game, right? Yeah. Jets were 13th in rushing yards per attempt last year. Okay. 13th.
4: Why aren't they running the ball more? I think that was their role. They didn't believe in Michael Carter as much. And I think that's why they invested in Brees Hall um but i it? guess my point is like
0: if your 13th and rushing yards attempted run the ball why not just run the ball you know like i don't i don't get it um so that brings me to that point do they have the right coaches for the job robert Salu is supposed to be this defensive-minded coach they gave up the most points and yards last season that's a big worry for me um the offensive line is good a little under the radar Uh, they got backed in two years ago, but he's having some stuff going on. Like he exited the first name, didn't come back. Coaches are saying he has to battle for his starting job. Uh, Vera Tucker, they got him. They added Tomlinson and free agent. They drafted Max Mitchell from Louisiana, who I'm very high on. I think that was a good, solid pick. Um, you know, I think you're right. I think drafting Hall means they want to, you know, run the ball a little bit more. Uh, I don't feel like they have a true number one wide receiver. Like, is Corey Davis, when when he played, um, 21% target share? So is he the number one? Is Moore the number one? Garrett Wilson the number one? I don't know who the alpha in the room is. Uh, I just don't know. There's a lot of questions for me around this team. I, I'm not a big Sauce gardener guy, I'll say it.
4: Really? Okay. I think he, he'll he be good in the scheme with Roberts a lot who likes physical corners. Um, but yeah, my thoughts on the Jets, I feel like for the first time in a long time, you can say the Jets are actually moving in the right direction. I say all credit to Joe Douglas. He's put together like a good assortment of young talent with this young uh, coaching staff. But with that youth, there comes like a lot of inexperience, a lot of unpredictability. Um, this roster has a lot of potential, but if you look at their schedule, it's tough. It's one of the tougher ones in the league. I actually did my uh, preview on this team first before looking at their schedule, and I was honestly disappointed for them because it's it's hard. Um, if we could just take a second look at that for, um, they open the AFC North, yeah, and then Week Five you go to Miami, winnable game, but after that you play in two of the toughest places to play, Lambeau and Mile High. What and- they, they're playing in Detroit on Week Six? Uh no. Look I'm hard. messing I'm messing with you, dude. I'm messing with you. He said tough plays to play. Yeah, I was like I'm no. messing with you. I'm messing with like, it. All right. And after you come back, you play two of last year's playoff teams, the Pats and Bills. And then for a young team, I don't know if you can recover even though that the second half of their schedule is easier. I don't know if you can recover if you start 2 and 7, 1 and 8. That's going to be detrimental to the psyche of a young team. So.
0: I mean, you kind of hit the nail on the head. Um, their schedule is a little tough. Um, you know, they, that's one of the teams they, they have, like you hit in the head, that four game stretch of green Bay, Denver, new England, Buffalo, right after the bye, new England, you know, they just have like these little, even start of the season, Baltimore. Um, like basically you said it, they play the AFC North, you know, like they, they, they have a tough little stretch, and I really – I don't know. Um, they do play the Bengals at a good spot. Um, Bengals kind of a flat spot with how the Bengals' schedule is. But, yeah, I i have this team winning six games, and I feel I am very generous with this. You mentioned Salt Skarner about being physical. I mean, if he's not getting the calls and fighting with those hands and just giving up P.I. after P.I., kind of limited what he can do um, – yeah, I don't. I am at six and eleven, and I feel I'm being ultra generous with them at six and eleven.
4: Yeah, um, I'm six and eleven for them too. I'm high on them uh, compared to consensus, but I just can't see them weighing more than that with that schedule. So. Yeah, it's just I just I
0: I don't know how they'll be able to do it with
4: that schedule. You kind of hit the nail on the head. Yeah. Um, Wait one second before we move on. If you had to rank Zach Wilson at the end of the year, um, where do you expect him to be? Bottom three. Bottom three?
0: Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, I think he's better than Tua. I think he'll be better than Trey Lance.
4: Um, I think. Because if he. Ends the year looking like a bottom three quarterback again. I think we're gonna have some serious questions back about Zach Wilson. But if he ends the year looking like the twenty first best quarterback in the league, I think that's a good season. You know.
0: So let's okay. We'll just play. I'll take Josh Allen over him. Oh, for sure. Um, Tua question mark. You know, I, I can. You make an argument either way. Yeah, I'd say Tua is better right now, but by the end of the season, I expect Zach to surpass him. I'd take Mac Jones over him. Mm-hmm. I I mean I would take Trubisky over him, but I wouldn't take Kenny Pickett, Kenny Pickett over him.
4: Uh, yeah. I'd take Zach Wilson over Trubisky right now. Dude.
0: The truth, man. The truth, dude. Um, I take Burrow over him. I take Watson over. I I take yeah. Watson over him. Um, I would take Lamar Jackson over him. So, I mean, so, like, right now, we basically have one team. You know what I mean? Like, we have one team. Um, I take Davis Mills over him. Uh, I take Trevor Lawrence over him. I take Matt Ryan over him.
4: Yeah, he's uh, currently ranked my 29th quarterback I have. Yeah. I mean, like, i just got to make a jump up, though, this year. I'm
0: just going through, and, like, literally, like... <sighs> I mean, I'd I take maybe, like, him over Tua and ho, him over Pickett. Hmm. So I just – I don't know. I'm just not that high on him. Um, He's just got to make a jump. So. Next team, going to the north. We're going to the defending AFC champions, the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, interesting fact, last four teams that made it to the Super Bowl did not go over their win total the following season. And only two of the last 10 have gone over the win total. Um, Interesting thing, the coaching staff have been together forever. Uh, Zach Taylor really didn't make any changes. Made great improvements on the offensive line, gave up 30 sacks. And PFF had them 29th in pass blocking. They added uh, three guys, Collins, Capica, and Karras. So I think it's going to do, I think it's going to improve that. Burrow led the NFL in 86 percent catchable passes. Every playoff game was decided by one possession. Here's here's something I found very very interesting. Bengals were seventh in yards, seventh in yards passing. Guess where they were in pass attempts? Bottom ten. Bottom five. 20th. Yeah. Bottom 12. So that's just a lot of hot routes, I re- I figure. They played at the third slowest pace uh, with improvements of the offensive line. I think Mixon's in sign for a good year. They were 10th in early down runs last season, six in early down runs with the lead. But my questions are with the defense. Um, I With what the defense did, I just don't think they can maintain it. Um, They just... You know, they lost Obel Tree, which hurts. Um, you know, their defense was just so, how can I say this? What what's the next step? They yeah. they, were, they only blitzed 20% of the time. That was bottom six in the league, but they created the 14th most pressure, and you lost Obel Tree, who is your best run stopper. What is the D line going to be able to do that and create that much pressure again this year?
4: Yeah, it's a super interesting team. Um I looked at it after they lost Ogletree. I looked at Jermaine Pratt and Logan Wilson, their PFF grades, just to see like how they played last year and how they might do in an expanded role. Zach Wilson had – or I mean, Logan Wilson, sorry. Logan Wilson had a 56 for his PFF grade, and Jermaine Pratt had a 47. So those guys need to take a massive jump up if the Bengals are to repeat their success from last year. And mass um, step up is putting it nicely. Yeah. Uh, the Jesse Bates thing is super interesting. What are your thoughts on that? I've never been a
0: Jesse Bates guy, dude. Really? Never been a Jesse Bates guy. Never, never at all been a Jesse Bates guy. What do you see that you don't like about him? When I watch a game, I need someone to, like, kind of do something that sticks out. You know what I mean? And even if it's someone like, like, I watch a game and um, a random guy who's a random, like, Grady Jarrett from the Falcons. No one really knows him. But when I watch a game, I'm like, oh, wow. You know, so I don't, I don't know. I'm I'm just not a big Bates guy.
4: What about you? I like Bates. I think he's a good young safety, one of the top five in the league. Um, But the contract offers they're reporting offering him are incredibly low. So that makes me think that they're going to use Daxton Hill as a replacement rather than a supplement to him or a compliment to him. Um, so that's super interesting, but going back a little bit, this offense, as you mentioned, they were third last in pace. I only expect that, or I expect that to go up this year, and I'm really excited to see what this offense does. Um, a lot of Bengals fans are saying that, all right, we were just seconds away from winning a Super Bowl with Turnstiles on the offensive line, and we addressed that. Um, while that thinking is true, a lot of people forget that. NFL isn't just a copy paste league. You can't just copy results from last year and take it on to next year. And I think the Bengals benefited because they caught a lot of people by surprise this year. They're not going to be catching as many people at, uh, by surprise. But like we said, the offense is still going to be good. I just don't know how opportunistic and healthy this team can be again to have the same success. I have them at 10 and seven.
0: Yeah, I mean, I have them at nine. I
4: mean, you just look at their season. That game
0: at Dallas, I think, on week two is going to be a little tricky. Saints, and then you play the Ravens and Saints back-to-back weeks. I think the Falcons are going to be better than advertised. Um, Carolina on a short week. Carolina is going to be a train wreck on offense, but their defense is flipping legit. Um, You know, the 27th, then you play Kansas. Then you have the little stretch where you go Titans, KC, um browns i mean i mean this stretch is brutal to end the season starting at week 12 you have, you're at tennessee god only knows what you're going to get from tennessee then you play the chiefs then you're against the browns at home okay is it watson if it's watson that's a tough game at tampa in december which is going to be tough at new england buffalo and baltimore again to end the season that's a tough little schedule for the Bengals. You know, I have them winning nine games, and I think you're right. You know, people are going to catch up to what they're doing. So yeah, I have them at nine, nine wins. Um. Also, and it's another another math thing. If you have Higgins and Jamar Chase in the top twenty, and then you don't have Burrow as a top three as your top quarterback, explain to me math wise how that works. I don't understand math wise how that works you know what i mean like i just don't i don't get it i don't understand it i need someone to dm me and they say to me eric both those guys can be in the top 20 and joe burrow can be the eighth highest quarterback in the nfl in terms of fantasy don't get it don't understand it um next team going to the ravens and i'm not gonna lie i got the ravens at 24 to 1 to win the super bowl offensive mm-hmm. line struggled last year one of the reasons ronnie stanley only played one game he's back They drafted your boy Linderbaum from Iowa at the center position. They also signed Morgan Moses, who's going to start graded very high in PFF in um, run blocking eight and three in games when Lamar played losing five of six games. He did it by a total of eight points, Uh, 25th in turnovers. But I think that's a little bit misleading because that's what happens when you have backup quarterbacks playing. They lost a ton, a ton of injuries last year and they're going to, that that's gonna be a lot better going in this year. Uh they got Hamilton in the secondary. They're adding him with Tyler Fuller and Peters and Humphreys and they signed Marcus Williams from the Saints. That's a pretty good back four. They got um Michael Pierce helps the D line. They did lose forty seven targets in Hollywood Brown, but I I always felt Brown was never a good fit for the offense. Um you know, how's Dobbins going to recover from the ACL? Uh, they promoted Mike McDowell to the D.C., which means less blitzing as they were sixth in the NFL in blitzing. McDonald prefers more situational blitz packages. Plus, Martindale, who's now with the Giants, he, um, he allowed players to audible. McDonald's not going to let him do it. I think actually think that's going to help the defense. So what are your thoughts of the um, of the Ravens? And then also, who's going to be, besides obviously Mark Andrews, who do you think the wide receiver one's going to
4: be? Okay. I'll answer that last question first. So I think Rashad Bateman, I have him as the breakout player, the player to target in fantasy. This offense really only utilizes one wide receiver heavily. Um, so, yeah, I think Rashad Bateman's going to be the guy. He actually, I had him higher ranked in my draft board um, than Devonta Smith. I'm like a really big believer on Rashad Bateman. But yeah, as this team as a whole, they're my pick to come out of the AFC. I just really believe in this team. They were injured to all hell last year. Um, I love this team this year. Just positive injury luck. They lost so many games by one score. That's not likely to be repeated. Um, They have a great coach, great culture. They nailed the NFL draft like they always do. I expect Linderbaum to have a Creed Humphrey type impact year one. Uh, Morgan Moses, solid, solid right tackle. They signed him on the cheap. Kyle Hamilton, impact player. Just they did a lot of things right. Um, Ravens t- do time and time again, and I really expect them to take a jump up this year. Um, as far as losing Hollywood Brown, I would wish he was there just as a decoy, you know, to have that deep threat, but. Yeah, no, I he didn't fit well in the offense, so it's fine. i will survive without him. Yeah,
0: like I just – I think it's going to be my boy from Texas, DuVernay. I think he's going to slide in there. I think he's going to be really good working the underneath the field. Um, You know, and then when we look at the Ravens' schedule, um, you know, it's not that bad, man. You know, they start yeah. off at the Jets. Um, play Miami at home. They could easily be 2-0 and going into New England. Then they have two tough games. Actually, then they have three tough games. New England, Buffalo, and the, um, and the Bengals. Um, then they go at New York. God only knows what you're going to get in Cleveland. Then they have two tough games back-to-back, but they will say this. They do have extended rest because they play a primetime game at Tampa Then they have, like, a mini-bye play the Saints, and then they have a regular bye. So, I mean, they do get a pretty good chunk of rest there in the middle of the season. Out of the bye, great schedule. Carolina, Jacksonville, you know, then Denver, you know, at Pitt, at Cleveland, Atlanta, Pitt, and then Cincinnati. So, I mean, the end of the season, it's it's winnable. I have them winning 12 games. I really like this team. I think they're in a good position. Um, My worry is, though... If Lamar goes down again, yeah, that, that's the, that's the big worry. That's the big elephant in the room. Yeah. Um, next team we are going to discuss, and this team is really hard. Uh, we don't know what's going on at the quarterback position. Uh, offensive line. They did release JC Treder, who is one of the best pass blocking centers. Uh, he's going to be replaced by Nick Harris. Harris only Played 68 snaps last season, but in that 68, zero sacks allowed. Big issue with me. Can Conklin and Wills on the bookend t- tackles? Can they stay healthy? Uh, here's, a, here's a little trivia question for you. A little trivia question for you. All right. How many right leg injuries has Kareem Hunt had? Three, four, six. Jeez. Isn't that a lot, though? You know, all of the same wheel, too. I'm a little worried about that. I, I like adding Cooper. I think he's going to be more like he was when he played for the Raiders, more of a deep threat, getting the safeties away from the line. I'm assuming if Watson's playing. Uh, that opens up underneath for David Bell, who I think is a sneaky fantasy guy. Um, you know, if if Watson's there, you know, that's going to be more RPOs. They're bringing, bringing back uh, Clowney, which is going to help. Because he is an underrated run stopper, can still get to the quarterback. Doesn't allow teams to double team Miles Garrett. Miles Garrett, um, in terms of the defense, secondary is good. Secondary is really good. And yeah, no depth. They have no depth. If they get hurt, they. You know what I mean? This team is. They have a lot of dudes. They don't have a lot of depth behind the dudes, and I'm going to say it. Skifanski. I had issues with Savansky, and the more he's on, the more I think my my initial read with him with the issues was right. Because I don't like his play calling. How the hell is Nick Chubb averaging 5.1 yards a carry and he's not getting the ball more, especially in playoff games, mm-hmm. um, or especially without your quarterback? I just I don't know. I'm, I'm questioning Savansky a lot more after every season passes. What are your thoughts about the Browns?
4: I said that they're the team in the AFC with the widest range of outcomes. Um, And, yeah, that has a lot to do with Deshaun Watson. But even if Deshaun Watson plays, there's no guarantee he's going to be that top five, seven quarterback he was two years ago. Um, Two years off from football is a long time. So there's no guarantee he comes back and hits the ground running. Um, Brissett, if he plays, he's at best, at best, the 30th best quarterback in the league right now. And that just dramatically lowers your ceiling and floor. Also, with all this controversy, I think that the Browns will have a target on their back, especially if Deshaun Watson gets off scot-free. And I don't think they need that extra bad karma in their franchise. The the Browns already have are unlucky as it as they get. Um, I really did like the Amari Cooper signing or getting Amari Cooper because even if they have Brissett or uh, Watson. Uh, Amari Cooper is one of the best separators in the NFL and he's a very underrated wide receiver defensively. Miles Garrett should be an MVP or a DPOY candidate. And then I'm really looking forward to seeing uh, Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa again because pre-injury, he was looking like he was going to rival Mark- Micah Parsons for defensive rookie of the year, um, but then he got injured. So I'm looking forward to seeing what he is, but just there's just a wide variance on this team that I'm not sure. Also, the fancy play calling has been suspect to say the least, as you mentioned but just with all those going on, um, and then I don't really think Watson's going to be able to play, at least for most of the season, I have them going 6-11. and 11. Yeah, I, just, I don't know.
0: I had them going 8. I haven't won in 8 games, and I think I'm being generous.
4: I haven't even been able to find over and over unders. on Yeah, they've been, been completely taken time. off the board.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, here's a little thing. So I'm good friends with a guy who used to play in the NBA, you know, multiple years. Championship, but on championship teams. He was so absolutely anal about taking care of his body. When they went on road trips during the season, he would pay for his masseuse, travel, lodging, (laughs) meals, and a salary. And you're telling me that it is hometown D Watt has to have 20 some odd masseuses. It doesn't take a ragged scientist to figure out something fishy is going on there. You know what I mean? Like, fishy. you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Mm. Don't um need that many. Yeah. season, you know. I don't care who's playing. Baker Mayfield's gonna throw for 500 yards and have through three touchdowns in week one. They're oh, losing blocking yeah. the Panthers. Um. Then they play the Jets, Pittsburgh. You know, two winnable games. I'm telling, dude. I'm telling you Atlanta's gonna be sneaky good this year. Atlanta's gonna be sneakier this year. Uh char- you know, and, and then look at this stretch. Chargers, Pats, Ravens, Bengals. It's a tough stretch. Uh, Miami off the bye. God only knows where you're gonna get. You know, two tough back-to-backs, Buffalo and Tampa, and at Houston, at the Bengals, Ravens, New Orleans is gonna be good. God only knows where you're getting the last two games of the season. So the schedule doesn't play out that good. Um, there are questions on the offensive line, questions on the defense, questions at quarterback. I have their
4: ceiling as E wins. Yeah. Yeah. Um, six, six and 11 is what I have. So, yeah. Ceiling is probably eight.
0: Now, the ne- next team, the last team, Pittsburgh Steelers. I tried to tell everyone last year they had the worst offensive line in the league. No one listened to me. Uh, they returned three starters. From that unit, who all graded out poorly from PFF, the only bright spot was Kevin Dotson, who looked good before suffering a season-ending injury. And that's my worry. You know, you have a poor offensive line. Your best one suffered a season-ending injury. What is going to happen with him? I'm a little little worried about that. Uh, if they start picket, oh, my God, this is going to be a nightmare. This is going to be a nightmare. You cannot start picket behind this offensive line. Uh, they brought in Pat Meyer, who's going to be the offensive line coach. They're going to implement the wide zone concept like Harris run at Bama. Um, you know, having a change, a poor unit changing a blocking system. I think it's going to be a little bit, a little bit different, um, a little hard. Now here, okay, now, and this is why I don't listen to media, and this is how narratives change, okay? All you hear about the Chargers is what? On their defense uh they can't Mack stop running. Running. you know what okay. i mean that, that that's what everybody talked about last year mm-hmm. right which team gave up the most rushing yards and gave up the most rushing yards per attempt last season it was the steelers it was the steelers and that's no one you know what i mean like everyone yeah, it's had really this surprising mm-hmm. narrative that the steelers are this like legit defense they brought in former lions defensive coordinator trayvon austin He's their new D.C. Um, you know, he his career being a D.C. isn't that good. He had one good season in Detroit, and that's when Detroit had like Fairley and Sue and that legit defensive line. They did add Miles Jarrett, which is going to allow people not to double what um, I defense. You know, they're back four is they don't have Joe. Joe Hayden's not back there anymore. You know, it's not. It's not that good of a defense that people think. Um, Najee Harris was 48th in yards before contact. Um, I will say this. I think that their offense will be a little different, though. Uh, Matt Canada, he likes to learn a lot of RPOs, a lot of play-action passes. They had less than 100 play-action passes last year, ran zero RPOs, ran zero pre-snap motion just because Big Ben didn't like it. Um, You know, Big Ben only averaged 6.8 yards pass attempts, which is bottom three in quarterbacks. I think they're going to throw it downfield more, regardless if it's Trubisky or um, um, small-hands picket, um, which I think is bad news for Deontay Johnson. I actually bet Deontay Johnson has under 1,000 yards receiving because he works the underneath. And also, he did play the A-B role. Big Ben's not there anymore. I don't think he's going to get as many targets. And I played the Steelers under seven and a half. I haven't won in six games, and I think I'm being ultra ultra, ultra
4: generous. What do you think about the Steelers? Interesting. I kind of took a different tone on them. At first, I was super low on them. but Then I looked more at their roster. There's actually some things to like. I think a lot of it, I'm giving the benefit of the doubt to Mike Tomlin. Um, The fact that he hasn't had a losing season in 15 years is remarkable especially considering how much fluctuation and variables happen in the NFL. But when I look at their offense, uh, Big Ben was a corpse out there. Like they literally couldn't do anything down the field. He couldn't move. And I think that they're going to benefit just from having Trubisky or Pickett out there, you know, like a better arm, a more mobile QB. And I don't think the offense is going to change that much. I think it's going to be like a lot of quick hitting uh, stuff, uh, they're going to add some RPOs now, but I think they're going to benefit a lot from that because we look at this O line; it still is one of the worst O lines. But I think they mitigated the um, how bad it hurt them by getting the ball out quick. So I still think they're going to do that. Um, the defense—what well, uh, did you say their defensive coordinator's name was? His name is
0: Trayvon Austin.
4: Trayvon Austin. So I think when you have Trayvon Austin, Brian Flores is now working with them, and then also Mike Tomlin; he's a defensive guy. I think this defense will be well coached, uh, better than last year. That, that running defense that was shocking, but I just think it'll um, be a decent unit. And I think with how much volatility the Browns have, I think they could sneak in eight wins. Wow,
0: wow, that's interesting. Yeah, I just, I don't know. I just don't, I just don't see it with them. And you mentioned, you mentioned Trayvon Austin. I'm trying to pull this up real quick right here like he was a last last was a DC with the um with the Baltimore Bengals okay um here is where he ranked in terms of um like in the NFL I, right. um you know he's been the DB coach the last 4 years last time was a DC and was back in 2018 with the Bengals um trying to find these rankings of course i love it like when i'm doing a recording and like oh here we go points against bottom three total yards last takeaways tw- you know, 21st rushing yards bottom three rushing tds bottom six passing yards worse passing tds bottom six. you know what i mean yeah so it's not like it was like an a elus- and i get it you're playing with the Bengals. fine whatever but you know it, it's not like it was like You know what I mean? Like, the NFL average last time he was a D.C., about 323, 325 yards. They almost gave up 425 yards per game when he was with the Bengals. Points per game last time, about 22. He gave up about 28. Um, You know, it's just the defense just wasn't there. And I just don't – I mean, I know – that's my whole thing where I really don't listen to sports media. And I know that's kind of like what we're doing right now, being media people and breaking it down. But it's like everyone says Steelers, oh dude, best defense in the league. You know what I mean? They just don't just look at the numbers. This this team gave up some of the worst offensive yards rushing. They were the worst offensive yards rushing per game. So I I don't know. I'm just not sipping the Kool-Aid. And I get it, you know, Tomlin's Tomlin's phenomenal, but it just tells me he's due, man. It just tells me he's due for that
4: one losing season, my friend. Yeah, um, I look at Tomlin like how you looked at Belichick, give him the benefit of the doubt. Um, I do, one thing you did mention before is Joe Hayden. I think, honestly, they'll benefit a little bit from having Joe Hayden going because I just think a 33 year old corner out there, he was very stiff, couldn't hang with some of those receivers. I think getting younger will help them in the long run. Um, but yeah, still not a playoff team, still one of the least talented teams in the division.
0: Eight and nine. So now let's move. We're halfway through our AFC talk. We're going to go to the AFC South now. Uh, we're going to talk about the Jacksonville Jaguars. Interesting, interesting thing with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh what Doug Peterson are we going to get? Are we going to get the Peterson when they want it, or the Peterson last time he coached where he just sandbagged the second half against the against the Commanders when he no against I think was it the, was it Washington against um, when he was yes. the coach. Mm-hmm. Uh Trevor Lawrence finally getting coaching. You know, he really struggled last year. You could only you could tell that because he only he only saw half of a field when it was inside the 20, so shrunken, condensed place to work with, and he would just take off and run. Um we're we talking about terrible coaches. All right, so let, let's play a game. Guess where the Jags were in rushing attempts, rushing yards.
4: Per attempt last year, rushing yards per attempt, Uh top half of the league, something. ninth,
0: ninth, pretty good, right? Pretty good. Mm-hmm. Guess where they ranked in rushing attempts? So I mean, yeah, dead last, thirtieth. That just shows you how clueless Urban Meyer was. You know, they kept Cam Robinson, which was great. They signed Brandon Sarah from the Commanders. God only knows if he's going to be able to stay healthy. Uh, they did lose Lindor, who's arguably the best center in the league. So I think that kind of hurts the offensive line. But here's a little thing for here's a, I, I got a lot of trivia questions today, buddy. How many fantasy, how many tight ends last year averaged over 10 and a half, 10 fantasy points per game? Five. Two. Two. Every year in the Doug Peterson offense, their tight end has averaged over 10 yards per game in terms of fantasy. And this is mind-boggling. 122 targets, 86 receptions, and six touchdowns. I think Evan Ingram is going to be a big part of this offense. I kind of I think he's a little sneaky. Um, defensively, back four is an utter nightmare. Front seven loaded. They hired uh, Caldwell, disciple of Todd Bowles you will help the Jags create pressure, 18th and pressure created. Uh, drafting Walker and Lloyd, you know, helps the defense. But th- I just have a lot of Doug Peterson questions. Like, what what are, what Doug Peterson are we going to get? And when you have all these young players and all they're used to is losing, I think that just kind of manifests.
4: Yeah. Um, I, I'm very low on this Jaguars team. I have them at 5-12. and 12. Um, Doug Peterson I was doing my head coach rankings I gave him 26 and people will probably say oh that's low he won a Super Bowl well yeah he's a completely different coach than he was back then the Eagles team that I saw him coach when he last coach was one of the worst coach teams in the league Um, just like people forgetting assignments blocking or running into each other Um, quarterbacks handing out the ball off the wrong way it was just really bad really bad And I think what Jacksonville did is they got another name for a head coach. Like, oh, Urban Meyer, he's a flashy head coach, had previous success at the collegiate level. They got him because he was a name. Um, I think Doug Peterson, he's another big name. They got him. But he's just not a good coach anymore. He's just not a good coach. Um, I think Frank Reich was a reason for a lot of his success, but that's neither here nor there. I think Trevor Lawrence, they just rely on him too much to do hero ball. Um, As you said, they didn't run the ball enough. Uh, I just think this could be really bad. They've invested so heavily in their weapons, but it's still a bottom five receiving core, I'd say. Um, Evan Ingram, I've watched him too much as a Giants fan myself. I have no confidence in him whatsoever to be good. Um, the scenery, man. She needs a scenery. Maybe. But the defense, sky's the limit for this defense in the coming years. But year one, no. I mean – Trayvon Walker's literally got to learn how to rush the passer. He didn't do that too much at Georgia. And then you look at Kalevon Chason. He was that athletically gifted edge that they thought they could develop next to Josh Allen. That's exactly what Trayvon Walker is. uh, Chason hasn't developed whatsoever. So I am worried about Walker's development with this coaching staff. Um, You said the secondary is pretty bad. They have all these high expectations. I just think this could get really ugly really fast. And then we could be looking next year at Trevor Lawrence. Like, is he the guy just because of how bad things are around him? Yeah. So,
0: you know, I, I'm winning six games. I think that's a lot. Um, So yeah, we're both a little down on the Jaguars compared to the market. Now we're going to get to America's team. The Houston Texans. God damn it. I love this team. Love this team, dude. Um, Offensive line, dude, it's not going to be as bad as people think. They brought in AJ can. Um, Titus Howard, who was serviceable. He was serviceable at left tackle when um, Tusell went down. going back to right tackle. They drafted Kenyon Green. He was my highest rated run blocker in the draft. So I think this unit's going to be better. I think they're going to be able to run the ball, which is going to be important because Pep Hamilton is coming in as the offensive coordinator. Loves to run the ball. Lovey Smith. Great guy. You know why Lovey Smith is a great guy? I'm going I'm to tell everyone a little Lovey Smith story. I was in the Jewel, okay? And I live in the northern suburbs of Chicago, right in the uh, suburb next to where the Bears have their, pra- their practice facility and everything. At the Jewel late night, Lovey Smith, full cart. I have two items. Freaking Lovey Smith, let me go in front of him, man. Great guy. Um, but he's a defensive minded coach. He's going to want to control the clock, he's going to want to run the ball. Um, they were only 13th in turnovers last season. Davis Mills, as a rookie, was zero talent, only at 10 interceptions. So I think I'm I could easily make the argument out of every single quarterback, Davis Mills was the best rookie. Um, Brandon Cooks, 26% target share. I really like that. Lovey Smith uh, was the defensive coordinator last year. They only blitzed 20% of the time last season, one of the lowest rates. In the league, when the lowest in Smith's history. They added Christian Harris from Bama, Jerry Hughes from the Bills. I think that's going to increase. Insanely talented secretary, but it's young. I think it's going to take a little while for them to get it together. But here's an interesting stat for you, buddy. What happened? Would you be interested if I told you a betting trend that hits 71% of the time?
4: Yeah, absolutely.
0: What about a betting trend that hits 65% of the time? Oh, yeah. Still let me know. Home divisional dogs against the spread week one, 71%. Home divisional dogs straight up, 65%. Give me the Texans plus eight and the Texans money line, week one. Lock it in. Okay.
4: Okay. Who do they they have week one? Uh, The Colts. Okay. All right. Yeah, I think this team is just going to be surprising. Um, In a word to some of this team, it's conservative. Um, you got an experienced coaching staff a conservative offense that's going to just control the clock um not try not to turn them all over and then you got a defensive game as you said they don't blitz a lot they run that Tampa 2 lovey smith that they like um this team's going to be really solid i think with all the teams in the AFC um uh, that are more flashy or are better um people are going to overlook the texans and they can catch a lot of teams sleeping um if they don't wake up on them davis mills had a very good year i don't expect him to regress at all i just expect him to keep moving forward um, but, yeah, this team isn't as talented as other teams, so I still have them going 6-11, and 11, but there's a lot to like. They're unlike other of the worst teams in the NFL. With yeah. a lot of those conversations, you feel like negative towards them, but I feel positive about what the Texans are building. I have them 6-11, too. I bet them over 4.5 wins. I really
0: like them. I think they're heading in the right direction. Like I said, I think I mentioned this. They're implementing the same system that Mills ran at Stafford. That's just going to make another comfortable thing. I think this team is going to be sneaky. I think they're going to be dangerous. I I bet them over four and a half wins. I have them going six and 11 too. you know, catch the bears in the short week, right? After they play the giants Um, play the Titans sandwiched in between the Colts and chiefs, you know what I mean? They just, they just have some good situational spots in their by in their schedule. I think we're going to be able to get some value on them. Now we're going to go to one of the interesting teams in the world, the Minneapolis Colts. Um, You know, Danny Pinter is shifting from center to right guard. Kelly's going to be taking over at center. Um, Is Nelson going to be able to stay healthy? Those are kind of my notes and concerns with the offensive line. How is the rookie from CMU? Is he going to be starting? Um, If he does, how is he going to be as a rookie, be able to handle the left tackle position? Um I know everyone's talking about Matt Ryan and throwing the ball down the field and he's more accurate than Carson Wentz but Frank Wright likes to run RPOs. Matt Wright, you can't do that with Matt Ryan. Um and I found something interesting with Jonathan Taylor and I wanted to I wanted to share that with you. Yeah. Um Let me pull this up real quick. Jonathan Taylor. So you you um you're, you draft a guy, and for fantasy, Taylor is obviously the number one choice here. Um, what would you what what would you want the floor the floor for points for for your for, for Jonathan Taylor? You take him as the first pick. What would you, what would you want as
4: points? Oh, per week, per week. Yeah, would you want twenty? Like fifteen? I think that's fair to expect from a number one overall pick. Eh? Twenty.
0: Here's the thing. If you take out that 53.4 game, Mm. okay, he's getting under 20 points per game. You look, championship game, only 18.4. Semi-final game, only 10.8. He started off the season 17.6. Then he had back-to-back weeks, dude. Didn't even break 10 points. 6.3 points against the Rams, 8.2 against the Chargers. Then he went on a little run against Miami, Baltimore, and Houston. Um, You know, it's just, it it fluctuates. My point is, it fluctuated a lot with him. And I really have, I I, I think that has to do with the um, Frank Wright and his ability to call a game. I just don't understand some of the stuff he does. Um, Next thing. How do you feel about Gus Bradley? Take him or leave him. I leave him. And he's their defensive coordinator. Um, you know, I think he's gonna he'll definitely blitz more. They're 31st and blitz in pressure created, which is awful, especially when you consider they have the Forrest Buckner, who's one of the better defensive linemen in the league. Um here's a little trivia question for you. Where do you think they ranked in missed tackles last year?
4: middle of the week 30th Hmm. they missed a ton of tackles that's also interesting because when you think of the Colts you think of a disciplined team yeah you know
0: it's just it's just kind of it's just kind of one of this thing interesting I have them going at 10 and 7 but I feel like I'm I feel like I'm putting a little too much respect on that 10 and 7 what what do you think about the Colts
4: really I have them 11 and 6 uh, when you look at their division, it's not going to be a good division. I think the Titans, who we'll get to in a second, have much more questions than the Colts. Um, this Colts team was looking like a dark horse contender for a little bit, um, but Carson Wentz obviously limited what they can do. I think Matt Ryan, new scenery, he looks happy, he looks healthy, he's in good shape. I think behind a decent or a pretty solid O-line, I think he can do some good things. Um, This is one of the most balanced rosters in the NFL. Um, They don't have the ceiling as like some of those other teams or the higher power teams, but this team's going to be really good, and they play in a bad division. I have them at 11 and 6. I really look forward to seeing Michael Pittman Jr. this year. When you think about Matt Ryan, he's always feeding his wide receiver one, whether that was Roddy White, uh, Julio Jones, or Calvin Ridley um, for one year. He always feeds his wide receiver one. And I think Michael Pittman Jr., he's in a position to eat this year. And I just think this is going to be a good team. Good team, not great team. 11 and 6. I think I'm going to 10 and 7, and I feel bad about it. You know what
0: I mean? Like, I feel like I'm, like, stretching out that 10 and 7 a little bit. A little bit too much. I'm a little – I don't know. I I don't know, man. Like, it's
4: just – It could very well be a 9-win
0: team as well. Like, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, I look at it like this. Texans could be better. Titans are a question mark. This team underachieved last year. As much as every I think it kind of gets blown under the wind, Frank White's game calling in these games. You know what I mean? Like that's fair. You you have okay, how much ma- just off the top of the head, how many carries do you think Jonathan Taylor got in that must win game at Jacksonville?
4: I know he didn't run the ball enough. So let's say like 14, 15. Why is your best
0: player touching the ball? Only, only. Oh, he had three receptions. Okay. Why do you only have 15 rushing attempts and against the Jaguars who weren't that good against the run last year? Makes zero, zero, zero flipping sense to me. And you have all that time to prepare and you lose to the Jaguars. Come on. You know what I mean? It's like, I don't know like i'm really i'm not a big frank Ray guy. i i am at 10 and seven um so this next team's interesting um it's one of those teams like you just kind of sit back and i just don't get it i don't get how they win you know what i mean like i just don't get it you look at their offensive line they lost their their two interior guards and in scaffold and Quisenberry both going to the bills uh, Taylor Lewan hasn't been the same since the ACL injury. They're replacing um, Scaffold and Davis um, with uh, – it, it's looking right now it's like it's going to be Aaron Brewer, who was a backup last season, and Jamarco Jones, signed from Seattle, both graded out poorly by P- PFF. With no A.J. Brown and no Julio Jones and no first or no true number one, teams are just going to stack a box against an offensive line that lost two – top 13 guards per PFF playing with Derrick Henry, who has a legitimate screw in his foot and their rookie wide receiver Burke showed up out of shape and can't pass his physical test. I mean, what, like, what, like, you know what I mean? Like you just, when you say that all out loud, you kind of have to be like, what the hell? But then you look at what they did last season. They're the best team in the AFC somehow. So without Derrick Henry.
1: You
4: know, this team is super interesting. It really felt like if the Titans were going to capitalize on their window and win a Super Bowl, last year had to be the year. It just feels like the wheels are coming off slowly. They got one foot in, one foot out, as evidenced by um, trading A.J. Brown and taking Traylon Burks and then also drafting Malik Willis. It just kind of feels like they're just teetering on that line, one foot in, one foot out. Um, Like you said, their offensive line is weaker from the previous year. They don't have a true wide receiver one. Robert Woods is coming off of an injury himself. Um, He should be good, but he's still coming off an injury. I'm just sour on this team a little bit. Um, They still, like I said, it's got to be either the Colts or um, Titans to win the division. Uh, We're both fans of the Texans and how they look, but it's a long shot that they win the division. So it's got to be one of those two teams. With all the question marks they have, I just like the Colts a little bit
0: better. Um, yeah. No. How do you feel about this bet? This is one bet I locked in.
4: Derek Henry under 1400 yards. Oh, like you said, they're going to have so many people in the box. There's no real vertical threat, there's no real lack of dynamicism in the passing game. Yeah. I, I can definitely see better that. You said a new word dynamicism. Yeah, so, <laughs> than the fly, but yeah, no, I just—that's a good bet, though. You know what I mean? Under fourteen hundred, he can only take this team so far, yeah. and his body's finally breaking down. He looked indestructible for so many years that it's finally catching up to him. Um,
0: now we're gonna shift to the conference. You know what? This, this, you know, what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna be Bill Wallen right here. The conference of champions, AFC West. Um, I'm looking forward to this. All these teams should be just fine, phenomenal games, a lot of high-scoring games. Uh, we got the Denver Broncos. We'll start out with them. Uh, they hired Butch Berry as their offensive line coach, which means they'll be switching from more of a power zone running team to more of a combo running team, mixing in zone zone and blocking schemes. I'm interested to see how my boy, you remember him, how Cush, how Cush and Barry's takes up year three. He took a huge step forward. Last season, um, they had the sixth fewest turnovers last year. Uh, you know, I really think I feel the offense with how the play calling was and what they were doing last year in terms of how can I say this distribution of touches didn't make sense to me. Uh, Broncos played against the fifth most stacked boxes. I feel having Wilson take advantage of that. Um, don't know who I like in the wide receivers. Um, I love my boy Williams. Um, earlier in the show, we had a Scotty on and we did a fantasy football rankings. I had Javante Williams as my fifth overall running back. Um, my worry is this though. This is my worry. I don't like coaches and OCs that have never called plays before. And that right there is Nate Hackett. And his OC. They have never called plays before. They've never designed plays. And I'm worried about that. I'm worried about Wilson, you know, because there's a lot of rumors like because of how he is in the locker room that he's lost, you know, he's not the leader he was. Is because of like his injuries, is he falling back to earth? I have him at nine and eight, and I bet the under 10 wins. What do you have him? What do you say? (sighs)
4: Um, I'll just mention what I said. Recently, when you did the AFC West preview, this team, every team in the division has hype and it's all warranted, but two teams are going to be massively disappointed at the end of the year. And for me, I think the Broncos will be one of those disappointed teams. Um, If you look at Russell Wilson's first, he looks really good at the start of the season the past two years, and then he's fallen off a cliff. I mean, you can blame injuries, you can blame other things, but he really has not looked that good in both years. Um, So I don't know in a new scheme, with new receivers, because he already had great weapons in um, Seattle. So I don't know in a new scheme if he'll be able to get back to that old MVP type Russ form. Um, I'm worried about this coaching staff continuing to give carries to Melvin Gordon over Javante Williams, because if he gets the boatload of carries, he's in for a big year. Um, Nathaniel Hackett, I wasn't convinced as a hire or as a, as they're higher, he just doesn't seem like a that great of a coach to me. But I mean, it all remains to be seen, but I don't have the confidence in this group like I have others.
0: Yeah, I don't have confidence in them at all. Um,
4: that's why I'm at nine wins. So you I you have on as low as seven and ten because yeah. one team's going to get disappointed and then it's just going to spiral. And, you know, they just
0: their schedule, they play at Seattle. You know, Wilson revenge game. They play Houston. You know, they play the 49ers. They play the Raiders. They could easily be 4-0 there. But then they play the Colts. Tough game. Chargers, tough game. Jets on a short week. Um, The Jaguars. Don't know what we're going to get from Jacksonville. Play Tennessee. Don't know what we're going to get from Tennessee. You know, like, they just have a lot. I have them at nine wins, and I feel like I stretched them out at nine. Um, So that's why I like this under of 10. I I don't know, I've never really been a Wilson guy and um, can I say this? There's been a, I've heard a lot of talk saying that his how he kind of preaches religious stuff like was growing really thin in the Seattle locker room. And he kind of lost the locker room. Um, so yeah, that's 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 my thing on the Broncos. I'm not that high in them. I have them in nine wins, I bet the under. I know my boy Mike. Likes him, he's on the over, but uh, you know we're going to agree to disagree there. Um, next team, you know what, we're going we're gonna to go to the Chiefs here because the Chiefs are an interesting team. To me. Um, and I'm, I'm going to start off and I'm going to ask you this question. Last four seasons, Eric bien has been the offensive play caller. Last four seasons, he's had, he's had that taken away from him. They brought in Matt Nagy. Do you see a scenario a scenario, excuse me, where they eliminate the enemy from the staff. They just fire them. I never really considered that possibility. and Nagy
4: is the offensive coordinator. I think that would definitely be a step backwards. I haven't really considered that possibility yet, though
0: um yeah dude look at me dude i mean this nice little thing tell everyone to follow you on ig and twitter wow all the graphics and then old old eric forgot dude old ass eric forgot um looking at the chiefs um you know i i think that's a possibility though i really do think that's a little bit of a possibility that they could that could happen um offensive line Weakness weakness. two years ago. Rookie Kareem Humphrey, number one PFF. Great center. Rookie Trey Smith was a 20th PFF guard. Um, their only real issue is he's going to play right tackle. They brought in Juju, Sky Moore. They have Marco Hardman. So I don't think replacing Tyreek Hill is going to be that big of a deal. Uh, I think Rojo, Ronald Jones, is going to be RB1. Uh, everyone's saying what you and I have been saying for since they drafted him. Edwards, a is too small, can't can't block and he can't run in between the tackles. They have one of the hardest strength of schedules, according to wins. Um, What's going to be the next step in the progression of the offense? Um, We started to see at the last year, uh, teams just played the two eye safeties. And when Kelsey and Hill were both healthy, they were able to be contained. Kelsey's almost over 30, wrong side of 30. And at the end of the day, like, like what Mahomes are we gonna see? We're we gonna see the Mahomes that was in the second half of the Bengals. Because that was a big thing. Speaking of that, did you ever see that TikTok with um well who's the who's the big drug cartel guy from Mexico? Uh Chapo. Yeah. El Chapo and uh Mahomes' old man. <laughs> so this guy made a TikTok basically on all of Mahomes' old man, there was the same guy that was in all his baseball cards and that he owed money to El Chapo. And because he owed money to El Chapo, El Chapo had him throw the game in the second half. I mean, dude, it was, it was a well-done TikTok, dude. <laughs> um, and then by the end of the day, you know, like we look at their defense, okay? They drafted the kid from Washington, McDuffie cornerback is tough rookie you know they're going to be relying on him relying on the kid from Purdue who's a rookie and relying on Sky Moore that's a rookie so that means a pass rusher a wide receiver and a starting DB those are three positions where rookies tend to struggle at so I'm a little down on this Kansas City team
4: yeah this team's going to be super interesting it all starts with Patrick Mahomes Um, this is going to be the year we learn the most about him Because Travis Kelsey, as you said, wrong side of 30. Tyreek Hill is gone. The run game still hasn't figured itself out. So we get to really see, is Patrick Mahomes a top two, three quarterback in the NFL? Um, Because if the Chiefs are going to go as far as they expect to go, he's going to have to have a heck of a season. And honestly, I think he can do it. I think him, Andy Reid, they've put together a good offense for so many years. I think the GM went out and got decent weapons to give them a diversified skill set to work with. And I think the offense is going to be fine. I think the defense, it is relying on two rookies. But those are two rookies that I felt had firm first-round grades for me. Um, I really do like Trent McDuffie. I feel like if he was just two inches taller, he would have been in a top 15 pick. Um, I think he's very talented. I think this defense is going to drastically improve from not having Daniel Sorensen in there. I think Juan Thornhill starting uh, will give them just a lot higher upside at the safety position. And then Justin Reed—he was quietly one of the Texans' best players uh, last season. So I actually like that replacement for Tyran Matthew. Um, but yeah, there's a lot going on, a lot of moving pieces, a lot of question marks compared to previous years. I have them going ten and seven because I'm not ready to appoint a new uh, winner in this division quite yet. But yeah, ten and seven. And they. I start. have a ten
0: and seven too, but I just feel that's Mahomes biased for me. If that you know what I mean, like. I just, I don't know. Like, I could see the wheels falling off. Um, So the next one. We're going to the team that was the third most overachieving team last year per Pythagorean win total. And that is the Las Vegas Raiders. Raider Nation. And I'm sorry, Raider Nation. I'm going to break your guys' heart. I'm going to utterly break your guys's heart raider nation um i bet you guys under the win total i think the raiders are going to really struggle this year um they brought in mcdaniels josh mcdaniels but we've seen the history of belichick coaches struggling um offensive line will struggle switching blocking schemes Denzel Good was their best player last year. He's coming back from a season-ending injury, and we've all seen Tyler Luean perfect example. First year back after a season-long injury, people struggle. Um, yeah, Devontae Adams is good. Yeah, Chandler good. Jones is good. Father Time is undefeated. You know they're both at that age where people start to deteriorate. I kind of like Josh Jacobs this year in fantasy, though. Uh, I feel McDaniel's is going to run him into the ground, just kind of like Belichick does. You have a 24-year-old playing for his playing for his payday. So he's going to be going balls to the wall. Teams that overachieve their win total by one or more suffer regression. This team overachieved their win total by almost three. And is it crazy? Like, this is my this is my thought. If they would have kept Cameron Brinko, Brinka, or however you say his name, I would like this team more than them bringing in Josh McDaniel. I did it. I took the under. Under, I'm on their under right here. What say you?
4: You know, I've wrote this team off the past couple of years, and they've always found a way to surprise me. And honestly, I'm not quick to write them off this year. I feel like out of the four teams in the AFC West, they have the least amount of hype surrounding their season. Um, yes, they definitely did overperform um, for their win metric. But I have reasons to be optimistic. If you just think about the story of the season last year, last year they had to deal with Henry Ruggs, Damon Arnett situation, and then the John Gruden situation. That's three massive things to deal with. And they battled through so much adversary, adver, ad, adversity sorry, and took the Super Bowl runner-ups the distance at their home field. So just thinking about all those things, I think if they have some positive regression in terms of less drama, then the season could be better. But that offensive line, it's a struggle. Um, the reason I do have to be optimistic, even with that bad O-line, is because you add a guy like Devonte Adams, who's going to get it open so quick for Derek Carr, um, that's going to allow them to do some things. But even then, defense not sold on it, O line not sold on it, new head coach from the Belichick tree. I've them going eight and nine, but I'm just not ready to write them off as dead last in the division. Right, I'm writing
0: them off as dead last in the division. <laughs> I just like you know, my thing is this, dude. At the end of the day, this quarterback play wins in the league, right? Who's the worst quarterback in the league?
4: Who's the worst? I'd say it's Derek Carr, but it's a possibility that Russell Wilson ends the year as the worst quarterback in
0: the division. I don't know. Like, I just, just, it's just one of those things with me where I think they overachieved by so much last year. I think they're just going to come back to the norm. Um, Last team. And I put this team in at 20 to one right now. They're 10 to one. I wouldn't have bet them right now at 10 to one. Um, the Los Angeles chargers. And what the chargers are doing as they're slowly turning into, to uh, new Orleans West, they brought in Brandon Nugent. I know everyone's like, Eric, who the hell's Brandon Nugent? Well, let me tell you guys, he's an offensive line coach um, was with the saints 2017 to 2021 during that time. They allowed the fourth Uest sacks and averaged 142 yards running. Running. They got Zion Johnson in the draft, which is going to help the offensive line. It's going to improve the right side, which was the weakness. Herbert um, Herber entering year three. I to make a better step forward defensively. They got JC Jackson. They got Calvin Mack, but they also got jo- Joseph Day, excuse me, and Austin Johnson, which is going to help the interior, help stop the run which was their big struggle this year. I'm really high on Haley. I think he's an elite coach. I think he knows his stuff. I think he kind of got um, – he kind of started reading his own press clippings about people judging him, going for it and everything. I think he's going to get better of knowing when to go for it, when not to go for it. And I think adding the two guys up front, Khalil Mack, I think this defense is legit. I have him going 11-6. and six. I really like him. I would not bet him, though –
4: to win the Super Bowl because you missed out of that 20-1 to 1 number. What do you say about the Chargers? So the Chargers are a team I've consistently been high on and gotten burned for that. But, like, there's just so much to like about this team. I mean, Zion Johnson, he was a top-12 player in the class for me. They boast one of the best pass-rushing duos between Joey Bosa and Cleo Mack. JC Jackson, he's a lockdown corner, so that's going to allow Asante Samuel Jr., who has tons of potential to take the number-two guy. Um, Derwin James... One of my favorite players in the league. He just does so much as that star defender when it's coming down into the box, um, covering zones. Uh, he just does so much well. Justin Herbert, we already know how good he is. Austin Eckler, one of the most underrated players. Like this, There's just so much to like about this team. Um, Sebastian Joseph Day was the most underrated signing. I think he's going to help that squishy Chargers front. But the only thing that my hesitation about the Chargers is they've had so much hype in in previous years that I'm not sure. So also when you compare the lack of home field advantage, that's something you have to mention. And also comparing it against other three teams in the NFL or in their division. Sorry. The Chiefs have Arrowhead. Their fans are rocking. Super hard to play there. Mile High Stadium, they have that advantage with the high altitude. And even Raiders fans, they're diehards. So it's just hard. I mean, they're going to have to win four or five division games if they want to win this division. And I don't know if they can go into Arrowhead. I don't know if they can go into Mile High and win. Um, But, yeah, that's my only hesitation. Brandon Staley, he's an ascending young mind, and he should make that jump. Um, He's a good Coach of the Year candidate at plus 1,400. But, yeah, I like the Chargers. I I like him seven. And also
0: we forgot to mention that they added Bryce Callahan. So Bryce is going to be that nickel – um DB, which is huge. You have him in the nickel corner. You have um Asante Samuel, you have JC Jackson, you have your boy Derwin James. It's a pretty good secondary, man. Like I they, you got Mac, you got Bosa, two guys that can get to the quarterback. I don't know, man. Like more and more, I just kind of sit back. I'm liking him even more and more. And you know, like if we just kind of look at their schedule, um it is It is – where we got their schedule here? Their schedule, you know, I think they're going to kill the Raiders. I I think this is the revenge spot of revenge spots. Week one, I think they're going to kill the Raiders. They have that tough, short week, short turnaround at Kansas City. But then after that, Jacksonville, Houston, Browns, potentially without Watson. All doable. Then they play the um, Broncos. Don't know what we're going to get from Wilson. And then Seattle. I mean they could be six and one, seven and oh, five and two going into that bye, which would be unbelievable. If that happens, I think this team is in a good position. Um, so yeah, I think I think right now my two top teams that to AF like one and two would be Ravens one, Chargers three. What say you? Oh no, sorry. Bills one, Ravens two, Chargers three. I forgot about
4: the Bills, my bad. Yeah, I have Bills one, Ravens two. Um, I have the Chiefs and Chargers both finishing ten and seven. Okay. Um, Oh, sorry, my playoff predictions. I have the Colts at eleven and six. The Colts are third for me. I have the Chiefs winning the tiebreaker over the Chargers, um, so they're fourth. Chargers fifth. Bengals are my are ten and seven, so they're sixth, and then the Titans are the last playoff spot at nine and eight. Yeah, I have the Titans again in two. My playoff teams are the
0: Bills one, um, Ravens two, three is the Chargers, four is the Colts, and then my wild card teams are the um, Chiefs, which I could easily see them not being, but I think that's Mahomes biased. Um, The um, Bengals and the... um, the Titans. Right, I have the Bengals. I have the Bengals. I have the Bengals being the last team in. I have the Bengals winning nine and being the last team in the playoffs. Okay. We got the same playoff teams. so basically we do have the same Sterling. Dude, this is I'd like to think dude it we did we we did seven minutes shorter than last year. So we are getting better going through this.
4: <laughs> yeah. <brevity>. Uh,
0: <laughs> thanks for coming on. You know, next week we're going to break down the um nfc looking forward to that why don't you tell everyone where they can find you on social media
4: so um, at Silverstar sports on instagram at Silverstar, then there's an underscore and then sports um obviously to be able to do this sh- show i had to do a lot of research on teams so i'm looking forward to posting my content it's just a matter of making graphics i've got everything written out so i'll be posting uh my predictions here in a little bit um please follow me there I'll probably be on to talk about the NFC, as you said, but yeah, just follow me there. And thanks for having me. As always, it's always fun. Thanks for coming on, man. I appreciate it. We'll
0: talk next week and everyone make sure you give Sterling a follow at silver star sports on. Don't forget about Twitter, my friend, Twitter too, and Instagram. We'll talk next week, buddy. Guys, make sure you're giving Sterling at silver star sports on Instagram and Twitter, a follow guy knows his stuff legitimately one of the first people ever to be on my podcast consider this guy a legit friend knows his stuff produces great content make sure you are pleased giving him a follow him and I are going to be starting to do more live streams together during the NFL season he's going to become more of a regular on the ETOF 2-1 sports show so make sure you give my boy Sterling a follow now let's talk a little CFL We've reached the part of the podcast where the goats XFL Jim comes on and we talk a little CFL. How are you doing today? Big man.
5: I am doing great. We get football every day this weekend.
0: And our boy minus three bet that we gave out on spring fever is looking so exceptional right now. Don't you fucking
5: mush us right now.
0: I'm just saying it's looking good. They just
5: anything can happen in the CFL.
0: Hey buddy, you know what? I'm trying to be positive because one of the kids I coach called me, said I was I was one of the most negative persons that they knew. Negative people they knew. Excuse me.
5: The way I, you I, talk about coaching, I can kind of get that.
0: You know what? I here's the thing, dude. I just have high expectation. You know, and winners win, and that's what I'm trying to teach these kids. Be a fucking winner. Fucking win. And too bad that the Toronto Argonauts did not have me on the sideline last game. Against the that's, that's Saskatchewan, dude. No, excuse me. It's too bad. Dude, yeah, too bad
5: Saskatchewan yet. didn't have you on the sideline. I mean, I would be. Dreamed. So
0: let's just talk about that. In terms of week seven, before we dive into these lines for week eight, like, just what were your biggest takeaways from week seven? Is there any team that you like? Are you like okay, they're not as good? Okay, you know what? I, I was a little overvalued on this team. Like, what? Think- like any any takeaways?
5: I think I'm cooling off on BC a little bit, on British Columbia, on the Lions. So they came out the gate swinging uh, with the number one offense just blasting points away, blowing out teams. And then ever since their game against uh, Winnipeg, where they got trounced, these last two games they played, they haven't looked great. And their defense is nothing to really write home about. So I think they're coming back down to earth. I Don't get me wrong. That offense is still really good. Nathan Rourke is still the most impressive player of the year for me. But something about them. They don't really have, uh, they have a decent run game with James Butler, but they're, i am cooled off on them more than anything. And I'm probably warming up to Hamilton actually ramping up and doing something this season. I think Hamilton could actually end up having a fairly decent season. All things considered with the horrible start they've had. I actually see value on a Hamilton, like great cup future.
0: So what Hamilton is what right now?
5: Last I saw, they were like 18 to one.
0: Like, because they're in the East, Toronto's leading the East. So yeah, I mean that definitely. The East
5: that. is a the East is always fucking a ducky a fire. fire. Like every year,
0: year. consistently. So I think there's definitely you know value right there because just looking at Argonauts three and two, Redbacks zero and four, these two teams, Montreal and Hamilton, battling. Then um, you look at the West: Lions four and one, Rough Riders four and three, Stampeders four and one, Blue Bombers seven and zero. Oh. Just just Absolutely loaded there, and the West is insane. The West is absolutely insane. I agree, a hundred percent. We're going to be using the lines from FanDuel today. Um, Let's just uh, jump right into it.
5: My my other last takeaway is oh, the writers, the the Rough Riders are nothing without Cody Fajardo. That backup is not going to be able to get it done ever.
0: Yeah, he looked a little rough, if you know what I mean. I, I'm,
5: I'm <laughs> okay. I'm leaving now. <laughs>
0: um. All right, so game number one, the aforementioned Rough Riders getting one and a half at home against the BC Lions over under forty nine. Me being me, big Cody, he's locked he's in. He's, he's playing. playing. All right, I, I like I like DMX's Rough Riders here. What say you?
5: Yeah, I like the Rough Riders money line. So earlier in the week, I saw this line. I they so they actually had the lines out early this week. They're 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 getting better about doing that. They've been. These books have been waiting until like Tuesday to get lines out sometimes, but they had them out early. So it started out with the Rough Riders minus one, and now they're already minus one and like plus one and a half. I've seen some places plus two. I like yep. a money line plus one ten. Give it to me.
0: I, I love the plus one ten here. I I love the plus one and a half. But here's the thing: like we see some funky scores in the CFL. Yep. Does that I, one and a half worry you?
5: No, I feel like plus one and a half. The CFL is wonky enough that you see like a lot of one score losses compared to the NFL. I actually see value and potential, especially at minus one ten. I I probably I just think the Rough Riders are gonna outright beat them. They, similar ability on offense, in my opinion, especially with a a ramped up Cody Fajardo and the Rough Riders defense is easily the best unit that BC's seen all year. Now, like Winnipeg was really good on defense, and you saw what happened there.
0: Oh, ins- insanely good! Um, I like the Rough Riders. I- I'm probably just gonna play the the plus. I'll play the plus one and a half, just because you know I I don't have as big as balls as you,
5: Jim. I'm, I'm money gonna- line, oh. money line, baby. Give it me the Riders. Don't right, so touch Jim- this total.
0: So Jim's taking the Rough Riders plus one ten. I'm on the Rough Riders plus one and a half. Over under 49. Jim says pass. What is your thought process there?
5: That's just the lot. I, I want to say over, but like this is a Cody Fajardo coming off an injury and BC has been looking like rough ever since their Winnipeg loss. So I have no idea what to pick here. Maybe lean under. But then all of a sudden, like Cody Fajardo could ball out and this could just be a shootout. So yeah. I, stay away.
0: Okay, right, so we're going to stay away from that. We're both on the Rough Riders. Jim's playing the Rough Riders plus 110. Uncle Rico is playing the Rough Riders plus one and a half. Next game, game of the week. Second time in two weeks, we are going with the Blue Bombers laying one and a half plus 105 odds, money line minus 110. Or you can get the Calgary Stampede plus one and a half, juice to minus 125. Not really a big fan of that juice. Or the money line of minus 110. What do you say?
5: This is nuts, dude. This. So this spread started out the week at like two and a half, three. It's already down to one and a half. I like Calgary on the money line here. You saw in their game against Winnipeg in Winnipeg that Calgary had the potential to win that game. They left a lot of points on the board and they were still almost in it to come back at the end. I like Calgary straight up, especially at home. They're so good at home.
0: They're phenomenal at home. I agree with you a hundred percent. I'll probably play the money line here. I don't like Taking the one and a half at
5: Minus one twenty-five, it's not worth not, it. I, I will take the money it. line as well.
0: So Jim and I are both on the Stampeders here, minus one ten. But here's the big thing. 46 and a half.
5: I'm taking uh, uh this one's so tough. I'm probably gonna lean over. I think there is more offense in this game. Like where Calgary in the last game got field goals. I expect them to get touchdowns. I expect that to drive the points up. And I think Zach Kolaros recovers a little bit from his not as great game against uh, Edmonton last week. I think I think this is an over for me. See, I'm gonna pass. Like I don't I think, like I, again. Very soft on the over. This is this is a tough one.
0: You know, I just feel like I'm just so gun shy after last. Like you know what I mean? Last weekend's mockery, dude. You know, last weekend
5: watch. I got. Fucked by the totals, and it looks like this weekend's not starting off any better with this Montreal Hamilton game.
0: <laughs> I will say this, like I played two totals. I had the Redbacks and the Argonauts over, and I actually had the Argonauts, Argonauts, and the Rough Riders over. So I did hit both of those. I went uh, two
5: and two. So I got
0: So I'm gonna I'm gonna pass. I I I,
5: I would you know, lean over, but that's a very soft lean.
0: You know, I'm I'm gonna pass here. I just I don't know. I think it's going to be more defensive than than you know what I mean? I think it's just going to be more more of a defensive game.
5: That's it very just- well could be. There's there's a there's a real scenario where Calgary's defense like both these defenses are really good. There's a real scenario where there's like a lot of sacks, a lot of QB pressures and not a lot of scoring.
0: Yeah, so I I'll, I'll lean I'll, I'll I'll lean pass. I'm just going to say it. I'll say pass. Yep, I'm gonna you. go pass. Uh, last game, we we're looking at the Redbacks getting five and a half. Money line plus one ninety over under of 47 and a half. Jimmy, what do you think?
5: This is the only line that hasn't moved throughout the week. It opened up at Toronto minus five and a half. It's still Toronto minus five and a half. I just think for a Red Blacks team that is competitive, I think that's too many points. I'm on the Red Blacks here. I'm not touching that money line. I think the Red Blacks, to me, are a team that can cover but not win. I'm also, I guess, tentatively on the under. See, I'm
0: thinking over, and this is why. I'm just, just looking at their last games. Last game, Toronto's last game, 52 points were scored. 52 total went over. The game before, 54. You know, the last couple games, Toronto's games have been shooting out. Um, you know, forty five against the blue bombers didn't go over there. You know, week three went week three went over, even though they put up three. Um, you know, week two did not, and week one they had a buy. So they've basically gone over in every yeah. game but two. So
5: That's fair. You know what? I switch it. I'll 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 lean over because Ottawa can be competitive. I just don't like this Red Blacks offense very much. Really?
0: I mean, they put up, Red Blacks put up 23 against the Tiger Cats. They're competitive. You no, know, they, you know, they put up 33 against Montreal. I mean, they're they're scoring points, dude. So, I don't know. I think, call me crazy. Call me crazy. But I think this game could balloon out.
5: You know what? I'll join you in that. I like a good over on a Sunday night. Give me, give me the over, 47 and a half. Give me Ottawa plus five and a half. I'm not touching that money line still.
0: You know what? I am not touching the money line whatsoever. I did take the plus five, five and a half, excuse me. And I will take the over 47. Um, In terms of parlays, I'll be honest. If I'm going to do a parlay, it's going to be this Rough Riders plus the 110. And I'll take the Stampede plus minus 110 comes out to a pl- nice little juicy plus three hundred. That'd be my parlay of the week. What say you?
5: Well, we talked about it on Spring Fever, but I like what I'm doing with my rollover parlay. So right now I have the Hamilton minus three uh, locked up right now. Hopefully that comes in cashes through. When that does, I'm gonna roll whatever I win into Saskatchewan money line, and whenever I when I win that, I'm gonna roll that into Calgary money line, and when I win that, I'm just gonna roll that into uh Ottawa plus five and a
3: half look at Jimbo
0: thinking outside the box a little bit a little rollover dude yeah. little, I like that
5: I like that a lot
0: dude I did that with Marshall one year in college football it's a nice little time nice little time
5: it's fun uh, if you, it's, you know, on a side note college football you pick a g5 team who's gonna like run their conference do that
0: yeah because it's it's a great opportunity I like that idea a lot uh live odds are minus 14 and a half for our Hamilton Tiger Cats. Don't
5: do not do that. That is way too many fucking points. CFL gets crazy in the fourth quarter.
0: Dude, look at you, dude. Why are you being such a negative Nancy right now?
5: Because crazy shit happens. You got to
0: be a positive poly.
5: Well, no, like 14 and a half is way too many. Like, yeah. Montreal can score like twice in a blink of an eye. Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah.
0: You know, I'll, I'll, I'll be a little more confident than you are, my friend. Than I, you mean, are, well, my... I
5: bet this over, though. Yeah. Well, I bet this over, though.
0: Right now, the live bet on the over is 46 and a half.
5: That's not too much different than where it was before. I know. It was 40, at 49.
0: 46 and a half, and they're at 30 right now. So that would mean it would need three scores.
5: That's, I mean, it's not unheard of. Especially lot. Montreal games. Yeah, that's a lot, though. That's a lot, bud almost had a touchdown from Montreal, but yeah, crazy shit happens.
0: Jim, I'd like to thank you for taking time out of your Thursday night, coming on, telling the people, the CFL goat. CFL Jim, baby. Why don't you tell everyone where they can find you and what you have coming out this weekend?
5: You can find me on Twitter at XFL Jim, Instagram, XFL Jim, Twitch, XFL Jim and YouTube, of course, XFL Jim. So, Friday, this week, either when you're listening to this or watching this or whenever, Friday, I have a video coming out explaining what the uh, – the, people ask me to explain all the time what the Gemiverse is. I have a video, an explainer video coming out tomorrow on Friday. So be on the lookout oh, for, that. for that. And then next week, I have my, my preview for the Major League Football, which just folded. It sounds like. So I'm still releasing the preview. It's going to be very interesting to see uh, what happens with that, but it's still coming. And then next week, I think I'm going to do a grilling stream. That'll be fun. Okay.
0: And then we have our 12
5: Pac-12. Pac-12 preview? preview on the college football tailgate with Uncle Rico here. And then also Spring Fever every uh, every Thursday.
0: Uh, probably, what was it? Was it, was it? was it TGIF? Thank God. No, no. What was the name of that Thursday lineup? I know the one friends and Seinfeld were on it back in.
5: Oh yeah. I know what you're talking about. I don't it, was, it, was
0: it, it was a catchy nickname. We would have been in there. We would have been the lead in for friends. I
5: feel we would, have, we would have been the lead in for friends. I bet. Yeah.
0: We would have been the lead in for friends, Jim. Thanks for coming on. I appreciate you taking time out of your schedule to come on and talk a little CFL. I look forward to talking to you next week. My friend, I'd like to thank XFL Jim for coming on. Guy knows his stuff. Great follow, producing a lot of context, so make sure you give him a follow on TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, follow his YouTube channel. Now we're going to switch, and we're going to have Brandon come on, and Brandon's going to talk a little NASCAR. Well, we've reached the time of the podcast. We're going to talk a little NASCAR. And just like he's been every single week, Brandon, at BostonBoy83 on Twitter and Instagram is back. Brandon, how you doing today, my man?
3: Doing good. Haven't loved our bets over the last couple weeks. We've been close. Haven't been able to close it out completely. Had some drama last week. As a fan, I'm living life with Chase. First, second, first, second, first over the last five races. So, as a fan, been able to enjoy it. As a gambler, it has not been fun. So, hoping to turn that page this Sunday Indianapolis. So,
0: they're racing at the Brickyard. But this is the road course at the Brickyard. yes. So last year, why don't you tell us what happened at the Brickyard last year?
3: I mean, what's a conversation about a race that we recently had or previously had a year ago with Denny Hamlin causing drama? He dumped Chase Briscoe, which I understood the frustration, but it was a clear dump. Briscoe had the win. It messed up Denny. And then you get AJ pulling off his first cup victory ever. So... It was drastic because that week both me and you had Briscoe and Hamlin, so we were looking good regardless. First, second with two laps to go, I had I had Dinger though, and but you Dinger did. Ended. That's right, you did. Dinger ended up winning though, so so you hit that. But besides the Dinger part, we were sitting one two. It was looking yeah. really good. The odds for Briscoe were huge, and we weren't able weren't able to capitalize on that. But I think we capitalized. I think the dinger was at least 21 to one. So we had some luck last year at this track. I'm hoping we have some luck this year at the track as well. Cause we got to get off this little hump or slump we're in right now.
0: We are definitely due. And we're going to be pulling up the lines from fan duel.
3: We each have a couple plays. What is your first play? I will start with this. We all know that I've been watching this show all year this year, all year last year during the season. I don't like betting on low odds, but I am 100% jumping on my boy Chase Elliott at a road course at 340 to 1. It's low, but you can't steer away from him. Granted, he finished third last week and two people got disqualified, so it wasn't a true win. And if you bet on him, you did not get the win. So please know that if you do make a bet and somebody gets disqualified, the winner of the race, as soon as he crosses the line, that's who's getting paid out. But I'm jumping on my boy, Chase Elliott, this week, I'm grabbing another win, 340 to 1. He's going to dominate, stay out of trouble, and just stretch that gap in points and wins that he has going into the playoffs.
0: Um, My next one is I'm going to the man who won the race last year. I'm going to A.J. Almond uh, 2100. Won the race last year, one of the best road coursers road course racers in nascar um last two years dinger has ran in eight road course races he has finished ninth first fifth seventh and seventh that's five out of eight top 10 finishes at 21 to one an established road coaster road course racer i have to take the i have to lock him in there so dinger 21 to one for me
3: i will also join you with that bet solely because you hit it last year now in the head, the, the kid can run road courses all day, every day. So if there's anybody that is going to compete with those favorites up front, like Elliot, Larson, Chastain, it's going to be the dinger at 21 to 1. I will step back a little bit and grab the guy that was leading the race with three to go last year before he got dumped and snag Chase Briscoe at 17 to 1. And the wow. only reason is he's decent at road courses. He was great here last year. I'm grabbing him. Don't have much of an explanation for it at all, but that
0: my next one, I am going with this man is due yeah, uh, Ryan Blaney. And this is kind of surprising. He has finished top 10 in every single road course this season. Yeah. So he's running well on road courses, finished second at the race last year. And you've mentioned it numerous times the last couple weeks with the amount of different winners we've had in NASCAR races. He's gonna to have to eventually get a win if he has any shot of getting in. Um, this could be the one. It's a juicy price, 17 to one. I'll take a I'll take a swing at 17 to one for Ryan Blaney.
3: I'm glad you're doing that. I'll also jump on board with that as well. I'm just glad to see you grab him and not touch the old man Harvick this week. So no old man. For all of us. So nope. as long as you don't say old man Harvick for the first time in a podcast in about five weeks, it's a blessing by itself. I will
0: say this. I felt like an old man last week. I was in Miami. I was hanging out with some of my friends that used to play in the NBA. I was on a yacht. I mean, I felt, dude, I was like, A, I was so old. I felt so goddamn old hanging out with these guys.
3: That's the first time in my life in a social setting I felt old. Now, I do want to go out on a limb here. For whatever reason, Kurt Busch has not passed concussion protocol. I don't know how bad of a lick he took. I don't know what happened. So he will not be racing this week again. And he announced it yesterday, which is shocking to me, that he doesn't have today, tomorrow, Saturday. Like he doesn't have multiple days to still pass it. They've already said he is not racing. So thoughts and prayers out to that man that he is doing okay, because that's alarming to me that on Wednesday you announced that you're not passing concussion protocol and you're not racing on Sunday. If you guys want to dabble a little bit, you got the boy Ty Gibbs who finished 18th in his first NASCAR race ever, dominating the Xfinity race, sitting at 65 to 1. And the kid can drive. Not saying he's going to win, but if you guys want to go out on a limb with a dark horse, that would be my dark horse of the week. Ty Gibbs at 65 to 1.
0: All right. So – I'm trying to pull up. I won So I'm on. I'm on my website right here. Um, I'm going Xfinity stats because that's what he races. Xfinity stats. Does he have any? Ty Gibbs. Here we go. Ty Gibbs. Um. He won that. He won the Daytona Watt Road Course. He won the Watkins Glen. Um, That's what I'm
3: saying He's not know. familiar enough With the cup car That's why his odds are that far off He's great in the Xfinity car Props to him on getting 18 Last week But I know the goal from that entire team last week Was to bring that car home in one piece And just get a decent finish Now they're stepping right back into it He's going to be able to qualify He's going to be able to practice He's going to be able to do everything Because he's going to be ready for it He's also going to run Saturday in the Xfinity car. So he's gonna have experience.
0: You know, shoot or shoot. You know, I kind of feel like Gibbs four to one for a top ten, maybe worth I do like that. You know, Gibbs top ten, you know, he's been good at at courses and road courses in Xfinity. Second week in in the row in a car will be a little bit familiar. You know what? I'm actually going to put that one on my card right
3: now. You're welcome.
0: Plus 400. Um, Next one, my last one. I'm going Chris Busher, plus 105. We are using FanDuel. There's a different book I found about plus 125. Last five road course finishes for Busher six, second, 21st, three, 12. I mean, that's three out of the last five. He's finished hit a top 10, finished 12th here last year. That was at the Indy race, Um, you know, plus 105. He's been racing a lot better. I think it's worth it to take a snibble. So I'm going to be taking Chris Buescher, top 10, plus 125. Brandon, do you have anything else you like on the card?
3: Stay right there. If we're going to add to it, I got Michael McDowell at plus 105. The guy's been finishing in the top 10 consistently. And even though he got DQ'd last week, because of some major issues it wasn't like a denny hamlin kyle bush he got docked 100 driver points 100 team points and also his crew chief suspended for four weeks uh for alterations to the car that weren't supposed to be done but he's been up in the top 10 in these road courses so i do like michael mcdowell at plus 105
0: so just to review for everybody brandon has chase Elliott at plus 340 Dinger at 21 to 1. McDowell top 10 plus 105. Gibbs top 10 plus 400. Is there anything else I am missing?
3: Please add. I'm going to dabble in it. The 65 to 1 for Ty Gibbs to pull off a win. It's a yeah. stretch. So, like I said, if you guys are playing, depending on how you're playing with your book and what you have left in it, don't go crazy, but definitely touch on them at 65 to 1. It can be a nice payday.
0: Me, I have. Almond Digger, plus twenty one hundred. Blaney, plus seventeen hundred. Chris Busher, top ten, plus one oh five, and Gibbs, top ten, plus four hundred. Brandon, why don't you
3: tell everybody where they can find you on uh, on social media, my friend? Boston Boy eighty three, Instagram, Twitch, and Twitter. All right, uh, We're breaking next- it this week. We're breaking it. We are breaking it this week.
0: Last week, last year at this race, we did hit a home run, and let's hope we do it again. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks thanks for tuning in. Excuse me. Thanks for coming on. Uh, until next week, my friend. I'd like to thank Brandon for coming on. Those who missed it, Brandon and I dove in, and we did a deep dive, a betting preview on the ETOF 2-1 Sports Show, which comes out every Tuesday night, and we broke down the AFC so make sure to give that a, a look. Also, make sure to give Brandon a follow. Great dude, at BostonBoy83. Well, that's it for the podcast, guys. A little bit longer today. You know, we broke down a lot of stuff. AFC with Sterling. uh, Rankings for the running back position with my boy, Scotty Tuhati. XFL Jim telling you the best to lock in. A new segment with my boy, David. MLB bets and Brandon telling you the NASCAR bets. Thanks for tuning in. Until next week, boys and girls.